What's up, everybody? You're listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 126, and the featured review on this episode is going to be Saltburn, the sophomore feature film from writer and director Emerald Fennel. Should be a fun conversation. We will get to that shortly. But first, let me introduce my forever co-host, Travis. Welcome to the show. Hello, Matthew. Just me and you today. Uh, scheduling mm-hmm. conflict with our uh, our third wheel, Paris wheel, as she goes by on uh, social media. She uh, is not able to make this one, so we'll we'll make do without her. It should still be a fun a fun combo, but. Uh, yeah, before we uh, before we dig into the movies, I've got uh, something I want to bring up to you. It concerns uh, etiquette. It's an etiquette question. Ooh. Um, and this one's just for the boys, so it's probably good that okay. uh, Paris isn't here for this episode because <laughs> uh, it wouldn't concern her. Um, well, you'll see what I mean in, in a moment. So when you use a public restroom and you only <laughs> urinate, you only urinate, do you always wash your hands? How often do you wash your hands? This is a safe space. This is just the the intro to the conversation. Right. Uh, no one has access to this. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> this is just me and you, buddy. <laughs> uh, to be completely honest with you, no, I do not. Like, almost never? Uh, kind of depends on how I'm feeling or what I all touched, uh, you know, that sorts of thing. How big of a hurry am I in? <laughs> There's lots of factors at play. <laughs> okay. So I'm like I'm like fifty fifty. Like it kinda depends on how crowded it is. Oftentimes it feels like my hands are more dirty after I do stuff in a public restroom. So sometimes I just wanna like Right. Know, my wiener is definitely cleaner than any surface in certain public <laughs> restrooms, you know what I mean? So it's like not that big a deal. Um You just you just freehand it and then you're good. Exactly. Yeah, it just shake and it'll <laughs> pop it out of the out of the box or flies or whatever. Well, the reason I bring this up is I've been noticing this more and more lately. I don't know if it's a recent phenomenon or I just haven't been paying attention. But have you noticed dudes who like pretend to wash their hands? I have. Yeah, I've noticed that before. Like, what the fuck are these people doing? Like, I It's to satisfy the rest of the people in the bathroom. But what if people see what you're doing? Like, do you think, like, what are you even, like, you're not I fooling much, anyone? I would much rather <laughs> someone just take a piss and just leave, you know? Don't do this thing. Like, Own I was it. at the movie theater yesterday, <laughs> and a guy literally just waved his hand under the sensor, didn't even get his hand wet, and then pulled a couple pieces of paper to act like he was drying his hands and then fucking left. It's That's like, awesome. what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I do not understand. Or the like, it's it's not worse, but like the people who like just get their hands damp for like half a second, you know, like that does anything. Like, mm-hmm. why why bother? I don't understand the phenomenon. Like, just don't wash your hands or fucking wash your hands. You know what I mean? What if someone does the the quick wash where it's you know it's soap, but we're not lathering for 20 seconds we're not waiting for the water to be hot we are it's like the quickest hand hand wash known to man totally fine totally okay. fine as long as you're better thorough, than nothing right as long as there's <laughs> at least soap involved like i don't really care like if you're gonna wash your hands just wash your hands if you're not just fucking leave the bathroom you know what i mean like i don't understand in the past several months i have seen multiple people do the like 
run their hand under the sensor to trigger the water for half a second. And then you want people to own their filth. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I just don't, don't fucking get it. Like, do they, I guess they just want people to like hear the sound of running water so that they think the person actually did their, you know, their business. But like, I'm not fucking stupid. We're not fucking stupid. Like, who do you think you're fooling with that? You know? Nobody. Not Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is behind me, bud. You, you've uh, seen this before, though. It's not, I'm not. Oh, kidding, yeah. Right? It's like, oh, yeah. It's a phenomenon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Someone has to do a study on this. No, yeah. I, I, I've never really, like, thought about it too much, but, uh, I definitely notice the people who are guilty of that, where it's like, eh, did you really, what? like, was that an effort? <laughs> like, right. w- what are we doing here? <laughs> Insane to me. Like, I, I'm going to judge you either way, so. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> this is worse. You're not doing yourself any favors. Uh, something to piggyback off of that, since you referred to the movie theaters. This is not a new territory necessarily, but I think you're a good person to bring this up to because you are a regal, uh, unlimited member, as far mm-hmm. as I know. Yep, yep. And this is not an issue specific to regal, but I didn't think it was as bad as it has been lately. But my God, just start the fucking movie, please. Oh my God, dude! I we were running late <laughs> to Saltburn. Um. We had to like take my dad to get the car from him and then go to run an errand to get cat food for, for Morrissey and stuff. So we were we were like 10 minutes late, which is fine. I was like, eh, whatever. If I miss a preview or two, that's fine. They hadn't even started the previews yet. And it was 10 minutes past the advertised start time. And then we, yep. we had to watch five different fucking soda commercials. And then the trailer started. I was like, no, I'm totally with you, dude. Like it was one thing. I've never been one of the people who bitches about like 20 minutes of trailers, 25 minutes of trailers. Like it's annoying, but whatever, but start the fucking movie, at least start the trailers at the scheduled time. Right. Right. Yep. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, That actually, same thing happened to me uh, when I went to see uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, I think it was eight minutes before they actually started the trailers. And then, there's a trailer break to do the little John Travolta Saturday Night Fever Capital oh One ad. God, yeah, in between trailers. And then we'll give you a couple more trailers. Then they hit you with the Regal Unlimited ad. Uh, I think the the whole roller coaster ride happens before the trailers. Yes, with the trolls. Yeah. Another advertisement yeah. within an advertisement. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean... I, I get that they want you to see the ads. I don't know what the uh, what what the uh, deal is there, like what kind of contract there is involved with ads and consumers being present for them. But in an ideal scenario, we would have, you know, kind of like a concert. Doors are at six, shows at seven. I want trailer start at six. Movie starts at 625. Yep. That'd be perfect. It, it it has to be intentional. Like they've clearly got the data that shows that to avoid the trailers and the advertisements that people intentionally, especially with like most theaters doing the assigned seating thing, you're not fighting for a seat anymore like you used mm-hmm. to, you know? So they clearly saw that people were like intentionally trying to show up like at the start of the movie 
So that's clearly why they've done it, which is just well, infuriating. I'm sorry. I paid to see the movie, not your fucking ads. Unless that's built into the cost of my ticket. <laughs> I don't know what goes into the cost of a ticket these days, but... Well, I would also right note you, that uh, most uh, dedicated moviegoers or movie fans already know what they want to see and do not need a trailer to sell them on seeing something. I didn't even see a trailer for Saltburn. I just knew it was the director of Promising Young Woman, had my boy in it. That's it. That's all I need. Done. Totally. <laughs> and I don't need to see a trailer to know I'm never going to buy your fucking starry lemon lime soda, Pepsi. It's not going to happen. I'm not fucking buying starry. Get fucked. You can show me 300 advertisements and I'm not buying it. It's not going to happen. You know what? I am thirsty. I'm going to miss the first five minutes of the movie and go get a soda. Yeah. Here we are 25 minutes after the movie was supposed yeah. to start. Let me run to the lobby real quick and get a fucking starry. That's a great idea. <laughs> what a joke. Oh, man. But yeah, yeah. I, I thought it used to be better with Regal, but lately it's been bad. I don't know what the reason is, but I think it's the starting late thing is what's causing it, but they need to get their act together. There's been a shift, but you know, as long as the average, they probably make most of their money from, from ads, honestly. So it's like, Yikes. they they're going to cater to the advertisers as opposed mm -hmm. to like the moviegoers. Unless things reach a breaking point and they just like half, we need to we need to start a class action lawsuit. Totally. <laughs> Do you remember that class action lawsuit from when Drive came out, where a woman sued because she thought oh, the trailer yeah. made it look like a Fast and the Furious yeah. movie? <laughs> she didn't Classic. win, but like that was that was pretty huge. <laughs> um. All right. Anything else going on? Anything we need to address before we uh, do our review? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, Thanksgiving happened, but it was like the most standard Thanksgiving ever. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing to know other than it happened. Yeah, same here. Pretty pretty standard. Delicious, but standard. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, we're going to transition into our featured review. So we're going to be talking about Saltburn. Plot synopsis, a student at Oxford University finds himself drawn into the world of a charming and aristocratic classmate who invites him to his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. Written and directed by Emerald Fennell. This is her second feature film after Promising Young Woman, which uh, was very high on both of our top 10 lists that year. The highest for like, me. That was your number one of the year? Number one, yeah. Damn, it was like th two or three for me, I think. I I like that movie a lot. Um, film stars, Barry... You look. You looked into this. Is it Barry Keegan or Barry Keoghan? Or I think it's it? Keoghan. Keoghan, Barry Keoghan. Uh, Jacob Elordi, Archie, um, Medeque. Uh, I hate the way IMDb orders the fucking cast list anyway carrie mulligan's in it rosamund pike's in it richard grant's in it um those are the, the now, recognizable real quick ones. regarding a uh, promising young woman i do love that film i have not rewatched it since uh i watched it that first time but uh and not trying to discredit it being my number one but that was a very weak year that was like prime covid year for movies 
Yeah, I mean, you should have picked Tenet like me because that was clearly the right, <laughs> right. right choice. I'm on the right side of history with that one. <laughs> yeah, everyone talks about Tenet still. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, arguably his best work, but anyway, that's a conversation for another another show. Um, but yeah, we we both really liked that movie, and there was um, you know a bit of a backlash toward that yeah. movie that kind of came a, a little bit later, and. Uh, it's been pretty similar with Saltburn. I would say it's there's maybe even been a more like vitriolic pushback against the people who love Saltburn. There's mm-hmm. very polarizing film, I guess we can say. Um, mm-hmm. So, Travis, go ahead and start things off. What did you think about Saltburn? All right. So, overall, I really liked it, but I do think it has its issues and is not perfect. Uh I can I take a guess and say you didn't like it? Uh, that would be accurate. <laughs> okay, I'm curious to know how much you didn't like it. Sure. Uh, to me, this feels ripe for like a. Uh, I think we've talked about it on the show before. The Nice Try Award that Quentin Tarantino gave out uh, years ago to a few <laughs> films that got a lot of praise, but he didn't necessarily uh, buy into. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. And I think I've also said this on the show before, but I will always favor a director who swings for the fences and you know doesn't necessarily hit a home run rather than playing it safe. Sure. I hate watching a movie where it's like, I've seen this thing 30 times. Like it's, it's well made. It, it did what it was set out to do, but like, you know, it's just a copy of a, something I've seen before. Sure. Um, so yeah, I I first of all, I think the biggest uh praise I can give it is the way it looks. I think it looks awesome. Uh there's some uh cool uses of lighting and um just some some good camera work and all around. It's visually pleasing. Uh the setting also lends itself to that as well. It's a pretty energetic movie in my opinion and has like a fun cast of uh characters and so it was a very entertaining movie in my opinion um i just think where it maybe falls a little short is uh the ending it wasn't didn't really like hit home for me uh especially if you compare it to promising young woman i think promising young woman had like a more succinct ending and the through line and climax was just more satisfying and you know, it like, I think it nailed what it was uh, setting out to be, but with mm-hmm. Saltburn, I feel like it kind of stumbles. I mean, you know, there might be like an essay or YouTube video that explains what some of these scenes mean or whatever. And I mean, I think there's a pretty obvious, like, you know, metaphor or subtext for this movie um, that we can get into. But again, I don't know if it's ultimately satisfying. Um, I think it does I'm yeah, we'll talk about the shocking moments and spoilers, I guess, but um I I liked some of those just for the the pure shock, I guess, and they're they're a bit horny too. Um love love some good horn in my movies, but um yeah. not sure if they really lent themselves to much more than that. Um 
yeah, very curious to what you have to say, um, but I will leave it at that for now. Okay. Um, yeah, you called it. Um, this movie is, it's like what happens when you watch Parasite and take like the worst lessons from it and fuse it with the talented Mr. Ripley, but make it dumb. And the stylistic (laughs) direction is like edgy perfume commercial for people who shop at Urban Outfitters. Like it's like tailor made for like young puritanical cinephiles whose idea of film criticism is joke one line letterbox reviews. Like Mm -hmm. it's worse than a dumb movie. It's a dumb movie that thinks it's smarter than you. Um, I found Saltburn to be a profoundly stupid movie. Doesn't start (laughs) great, but actively destroys itself in the second half, particularly the third act. Um, I think it's more focused on like screen grab worthy images that'll look good on Instagram and like shock value than having any kind of coherent story or believable characters, which like would all be like, forgivable i guess if i've actually found the movie to be fun but i didn't like it's dull and predictable like the quote-unquote like twist i feel like is telegraphed from the beginning and i definitely want to get more into that in spoilers later um but it's just like trying so desperately to be like edgy and provocative but it doesn't actually know how to like get under your skin and be unsettling like i found it to be more laughable than anything like i think Killing of a Sacred Deer does a much better job doing this kind of like psychological thriller thing utilizing the same actor. Like Mm -hmm. Barry Keoghan is way more menacing and interesting as like an unhinged crazy person in that movie than he is in this movie. It's like almost a joke, like what they do with his character in this movie. There's like, I'll admit a few striking images in the movie, but they're like, they're vapid. Like there's nothing technically wrong with like the compositions, but they're just ostentatious. Like it's just obvious symbolism and reflections and more symbolism and more reflections. And it's like competent, but like insipid, like they look good in a trailer and like on social media, but like, that's it. I is was this, like, is this movie equivalent to uh, eating a bag of Doritos? <laughs> not quite it's and getting a a stomachache after (laughs) it's not that i don't even remember what movie i said that about but this (laughs) this, it definitely gave me a stomachache it made me sick uh but not in the ways that it was trying to i just Mm -hmm. i don't know man i this is the worst movie of the year for sure oh wow you don't like it big big i hate it i might go as far as saying it's the worst movie i've seen in the last several years I might wow. go that far. I fucking hated this movie. Top to bottom. I don't see, I literally don't have one good thing to say about this movie. I could see you being angry about it or hating it, but I do think there are some redeeming qualities whether you think they worked or serve any purpose. I, I don't well, know, maybe What you'd... would you point to like uh, as far as like the strongest um, I think there's some good components. performances. I mean, like all around in service of what though like if jacob, you, i think jacob elordi is 
is good in this movie. Like of all of everyone in this movie, I think he he's the best. Um, a Barry, a Barry Keoghan's not. It's not a bad performance, but like his character no. is just so like. I mean, I don't. Know, I get. I get what you're saying. It's not like there aren't things that can be like I can give credit where credit's due for sure, but that doesn't mean that it was in service of anything like worthwhile. Even though it did piss you off throughout, you didn't find it entertaining. You said was it was dull, bored. and I see. I wouldn't describe this movie as dull. If anything, it's the opposite of dull. But I, I guess if, if like. If we want to talk about it in terms of it being satisfying, yeah, I could see it not being satisfying to someone whatsoever. But I still think it's entertaining, and you know, it like I said, it, it's it's nice to look at. There's good performances. Um, yeah, I think it is. It's punching above its uh, weight class a little bit. It kind of not um, as egregious, but it kind of reminds me of Olivia Wilde's progression a little bit, where really love book smart and then she just tried way too hard with don't worry darling and kind of fell on her face uh this is kind of the same scenario but i don't think it's as egregious see i don't i don't i wouldn't use that particular comparison because like i haven't seen don't worry darling yet but it's so different from what book smart was going for um, well, I, think I guess Saul in Burns, just the terms of it trying to do too much. Yeah. Oh, it's like overreaching like with ambition, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't think... I honestly think this just kind of feels like a natural extension of Promising Young Woman. Like even down to the color palette. Like it doesn't look that different either. She's like obsessed with like uh, lighting things with um like neon lights coming through drapes that turn everything a singular color flashing lights like the color palette is very reminiscent of promising young woman the shot compositions are very reminiscent of promising young woman the like story beats they're going for different things but they're both like psycho dramas like psycho thrillers that are like i i think promising young woman i'm kind of afraid to rewatch that movie at this point like after how much Uh-oh. I hate this one, you know, um, <laughs> but like I found that movie to be like consistent, you know what I mean? Like I understand mm-hmm. why people disliked it, but it was like it it did what it set out to do. I found it to be interesting. I thought Carrie Mulligan gave a great central performance in it. She was an interesting character and I didn't find it predictable. I think my main problem with this movie is that like 20 okay. minutes into the movie, you already know like. I guess 20 minutes in, I felt like, okay, I kind of see what I think is going to happen. Like the signs are there from the beginning. And then it's kind of, you saw some, uh, reindeer droppings for sure. And then like the movie acts like it's some sort of like big reveal. And I'm like, reveal to who? Like a, like a third grader. Like, what do you, how do you, the only way I could see somebody being surprised by where the story goes <laughs> is if you were just so enamored by like the vibes that you just like turned your brain off and weren't paying attention. I'm not yeah. saying that like, I'm not saying that like that you did. I'm just saying like, if you're surprised by where this movie ends up, like you weren't fucking paying attention. And I found it to be like the opposite of interesting. Well, yeah, when it does the whole reveal, it, 
it didn't land. I mean, it was like, okay, yeah, like <laughs> it's like no shit. Do you think we weren't watching your movie? Like, what are we doing here? Like. Ugh. It's trying to go for like a usual suspects moment and just yeah, completely fail. <laughs> I was like, yup, 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 yup. Like you're showing me all of this as if we didn't already know that there was something going on. Again, we're, you know, we're dancing around it, but we can yeah. maybe dig in a little bit more um, when we do a spoiler discussion. But yeah, I, I don't know. I like, I, it, Again, I have some issues with it, and I was slightly disappointed by it, but I still really liked it. Like, I, I, I go to, like, rate and rank it, and I like it more than a lot of movies I've seen this year. But I, it still has its issues, and, like, I, I'm, he I'm hearing what you're saying. I just I don't fully agree with everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so, okay, so I do need to point this out. Now, I admit this is a, this is a small—these are small details— I'm about to point out, right? Oh, but, are you going to bring up the media in the film? Yes. Controversy? <laughs> yes. Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> or are people like, there's a controversy about it? Just people noticing like things. That people calling it out for it. and I don't know, making a bigger deal out of it than it really needs to be. But go ahead, Matt. <laughs> okay. Well, there's, okay. I think I know what you're getting at. There's, there's two pieces to what I'm saying to this, okay? I think what you're getting at is that there are... By my count, anyway, that I noticed, there are three media choices in this film that uh, did not exist at the time the film is set. One is yeah. super bad. They're watching super bad, um, even though the movie hadn't come out yet. And I've seen. Well, and we should say that the movie does uh, make a point to set itself in 2006. There's a shot early on in the movie that. There's a banner in a room that says class of 2006. Yes. And I did not fact check it, but I did read somewhere that Emerald Fennel was asked why she chose to set it in that time. And she said it's because the last time where you could smoke indoors in England. Mm. I didn't fact check it to see if like that was, you know, she said that in an interview or whatever. But apparently my understanding is that was the reasoning she gave for why she That's chose That's the to reason? Apparently. Man. <laughs> Dude, I'm this movie's so fucking dumb and vapid, man. Okay. So anyway, regardless of that. So the movie is set in two thousand six. Time passes. Most of the movie takes place in the summer of two thousand seven. They're watching Super Bad. Movie had not been released yet. Um they're in a bar well, early on. It was actually Super Bad was released in the summer of two thousand seven. In August. It didn't is come the, out in the UK until until September. And they have they're literally watching it on is it a commentary show. of the rich that they have access to things don't that even, others may not don't even. <laughs> no, no. it's a fucking dumb oversight what it is. i have seen people be like well they probably got a screener they went out of their way to say that they're rich they probably have a critic friend i'm like go fuck yourself no it's yeah dude again, the elite circle what what you know yes, about yeah that? what are they doing watching super bad hell yeah they're just like us the rich um, and then they're in a bar very early on in the movie and no cars go by arcade fire is playing that song did not come out until 2000. Now I did actually, so. I did actually hear that that song existed on an earlier EP. So, okay. But the version that they were playing in the bar was not the, uh, the EP version. It was the version from neon Bible. So now did you notice this while you were watching it? Did it yes. stand out to you? Okay. Well, Cause it, the the super bad thing and the um, uh, no cars go thing. Yes, the one I had to fact check was the MGMT song. 
Mm. That one uh, I wasn't sure about, but that also came out after. I think there are other instances than uh, the ones you've named too. I think there are. These are just the ones that I caught. Um, but now, before, you know, movies are fake, and uh, it's kind. Of, you know, all movies are fantasy to a degree, and I get that this movie is set in the real world, and it is a a valid thing to bring up, I guess, but. It, I did not pay any mind to this while watching it and knowing it after the fact doesn't really change nothing. anything for me. I mean, like, yeah. is it, uh, you know, historically accurate? No, but a lot of movies aren't. So yeah, an, there's an, an, another commentary on filmmaking right there. Boom. <laughs> it's all there, Matt. This movie <laughs> is deep. <laughs> okay. So that- I heard, okay. Really quick, in regards to uh, historical accuracy, I guess that's the main reason why Napoleon is getting so middling reviews is because it's not accurate to history or it doesn't like cover the things that people want wanted to see in a Napoleon movie, which I hate that criticism. Like, you know, say what yeah, you want or I whatever, agree. but like you didn't make the movie. If, if you want to go make your movie, go fucking make it, okay? But you need to... We need to talk about what was given to us. Exactly. I'm 100% on board with you, especially with my boy Ridley. Like, I'm, I get it, and I loved his comments about like it not being historically accurate. I think he basically mm-hmm. said, "Go fuck yourself," kind of thing. Like, I, this is my movie; I'll do what I want. Which, I, I get that. I, it's just that these details are they're unnecessary, and. It'd be different if it I was agree. like one if it was like one instance or something where it's like it's like um um you ever watch the show Freaks and Geeks? Yeah. There's a scene where Dave uh James Franco's character is listening to uh a black flag record and it hadn't come out yet, right? It was like the mm-hmm. timing was off by a few months or whatever. It's like okay, but whatever. It's going for like a a vibe from an era and like it was just one instance and like i understand why people are like that movie you know why would he be listening to that didn't exist like i get it did he have the actual like disc did it make a point yeah he had like he was listening to a record yeah because uh back in the day we could get albums a little early sometimes over the internet illegally of course but yeah, just, just point that out. I doubt that they torrented <laughs> super bad off of uh, LimeWire or whatever. <laughs> um, but the okay, so the other side of my criticism with the media is just how like on the nose and obvious the music choices are. So, like for example, yeah. there is a reveal <laughs> that happens where our main character tells a lie, and now it's time to pretend that he didn't just lie what's the music cue time to pretend by mgmt fuck yeah (laughs) awesome choice that the movie ends i kind of have to dance around this one a little bit but you know the movie ends and the song that is playing (laughs) is murder on the dance floor and i like audibly guffawed while i was like are we really fucking doing this right now uh, you know, I I was of two minds. I was like, this is so stupid, but also dong. You know how, you know me, you know me. I was like, yeah, this yeah. Is, I like this and I hate this at the same time. Mostly hate, but there's dong. So it's like, uh, you know, you take where you can get it. You take it where you can get it. I took it in the mouth, but it, it, I didn't <laughs> like it. Um, you don't think I, that was intentional? Like maybe a little tongue in cheek? 
I think it was too intentional. That's what I meant when I said this is a this isn't a dumb movie. It's it's worse. It's a dumb movie that thinks it's smarter than it is. Like these choices are just so on the nose and obvious. And when you're doing it all the time, like it can be effective sometimes, like a little tongue in cheek, like haha, this is like a, a you know, it's kind of satirical. It's like an inside joke, like kind of thing. But like when you're doing it constantly, it just comes across as like you need to be obvious to tell the story that you're trying to tell because you're not a good enough writer or filmmaker to show us. You have to tell us. That was that's my main gripe with like the choices that are made. They're crutches. And then she doesn't have to use them. It just feels lazy to me. Mm, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> That's one interpretation. I hated I hated the music choices. <laughs> um, of an era, sure, but I mean it so bothered ba- me. Banging soundtrack just in in the in the context of the film, not so great. Not even banging. It was just like and oh, the block party the block party. Uh, song choice was banging. I was on board with the block party song, but beyond that, it was just like too obvious. There's Did so you like music. the uh, the karaoke scene? I thought that was one of the stronger scenes of the movie. Um, but I I didn't dislike the scene. <laughs> but again, We're talking about the worst film of the year here. <laughs> I, I so I did not I did not dislike it, but like. <laughs> Again, very obvious. Like as soon as he starts singing it and, you know, it plays like, you know, we see the realization come on his face as he's reading uh, the lyrics and he's singing it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he he got got, you know, it was a trick, a little trickster that that uh, Farley. Is that the fucking guy's name? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Um, Which we can talk about. Farley and Felix. I was confused by him. In this whole thing. I don't know. The movie, the more I thought about this movie, the more it fell apart as I like thought about little things. So, but that we'll, we'll stick with the general stuff. Um, my main thing before we move on to spoilers is that by the end of the movie, there's just like, it doesn't leave us with anything to like sit with or chew on or consider like all of the mystique around Oliver's character. It's just gone by the end. And it's like, Okay, so what, what what did we just watch? Like, a deranged guy do crazy shit? Like, that's not interesting to me. Like, at least in the first 30 minutes or so, even though I said it kind of gives away well, where the movie is going, it's at least ambiguous, you know? Yeah. I think we need to get into spoilers to talk about that kind of stuff sure. in more detail. Um, so maybe we do that now? I don't have any other... That, that was it for my, like, general impressions oh other than the only other thing i wanted to mention was just like the class consciousness and politics about this movie feel like they're straight out of 2006 like all the rich people act like even being in the presence of povs is disgusting and there's just like (laughs) nothing but contempt for anyone who isn't an aristocrat and like oliver like kind of starts out as like the audience surrogate, like protagonist, like, oh, here he's a kind of a fish out of water. He's a scholarship boy, you know, what have you. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the direction that it goes with his character, it's like, for me, this is a, maybe a me thing, but I think your movie has a problem when I'm rooting for the rich people. 
That's a problem for me. I I think that well, yeah. Jacob I don't know if you're necessarily supposed to root for anyone in this, but yeah. I mean, our our protagonist, I guess, or main character, ends up kind of being the villain in a sense. Yeah, but he's. It's just like the fact that it's like, uh, like that's what I meant when it's like you take the worst lessons from Parasite. It's like a social climber who ends up being like this is what happens when you trust poor people kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's just so. No, I don't think it's that. So that seems a, a shallow read. This movie is nothing but shallow, my guy. So I, I feel like there's nothing I can do but view it shallowly because the movie has not given yeah. me any indication that it's anything beyond surface deep. Com- get, compared it, to compared to arguably, you know, I know it's newer, but one of the best films ever made. Yeah, it, sure, it fails in comparison. <laughs> I, a, I don't mean to make like a direct comparison. I'm just saying like, in the year 2023, like, you should probably be a little bit more nuanced with, like, your class consciousness and politics. Like, we're past, like, rich people well, treating poor people like they're dirt and, like, the... Not that that isn't real, but I just mean, like, that's not interesting, you know what I mean? Like, that has been... Sure, yeah, like, a little obvious or overplayed, but I do think there's an interesting aspect in terms of, like, status... Only because of the quote-unquote reveal? Is that what you mean? Mm, no, not necessarily. Okay, well, maybe maybe we pin, put a pin in that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, anything else before our star ratings? No. Let's get into the meat. Um, okay. So, star rating before spoilers. Um, I give this movie... One star, may God have mercy on its soul. Worst movie wow. ever. Ouch. Uh, now, I will say it's probably a light one, but I'm as high as 4.5. That's where I'm polar opposite. Well, not polar opposite, but, you know. Opposite ends of the spectrum on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's get into the spoilers so if you have not yet seen the film check the show notes skip ahead okay so let's dig into specifics so is there anywhere in particular that you want to start travis well we could maybe start with like the through line of what it's trying to say i guess i'm curious to hear what you think the move this movie is trying to say well, I think there's a pretty obvious read of it, but whether it works or not, that's, I guess, debatable. But yeah, I, to me, it's pretty clear that it's, you know, a movie about a uh, less fortunate, poor, however you want to define it, person who uh, kind of desires or wants a little more and sees something that he can't have, in a sense, and then works his way in and eventually gets everything he wants but you know i mean in the end he he has everything but he's also like alone so i think it's just like playing on the idea of like you're like you know like i guess uh being rich doesn't necessarily like buy you happiness in a sense i I would agree, 
But he ends the movie. But he does play it like it's uplifting, right? Yeah, right. Like, I don't, I don't think that that is what the movie. Because he's also not poor. We meet his parents. We meet. We see the house that he grew up in. Like he had well, a middle class upbringing. Like I, he, I think it also plays with status in the in the sense where your status will will grant you certain access to things or you may be treated a different way if you are of a certain status. Because there's a scene early in the movie where the professor doesn't really care that he's, uh, you know, read the entire reading list or whatever, but then um, he, like, favors the kid who is late and comes from, you know, like, a wealthy upbringing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Again, I don't think it's like perfect and kind of it does stumble along the way, but I do think there is it, it is it is saying something. I don't know if it's completely successful in it, but <laughs> I think there are at least ideas there. I mean, doesn't don't the specifics of it all kind of fall apart if you think about it for more than 2 seconds? Like how could this guy have possibly pulled off murdering an entire family a family we're led to believe is one of the like oldest families in england richest families in england like rosamund pike makes a joke about how she used to hang out with like oasis and like all these like 90s alt rock bands because she's just so famous and popular like how are we supposed well, to believe that he got away with they are enamored the by they are enamored by him a bit and do pity him in a sense. So, but I, mean I do the police. agree. I mean, the police, how are we to believe that he actually got away with pulling off this plot of his? I agree. It is a bit implausible. It like, a in a real, well, in a realistic setting. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't have gotten off as easy as he did. I mean, there was like no consequences to, any of his actions and I mean, you would think after like maybe the second murder they'd be like what's going on here i mean even after the first one but you know there's multiple so i mean he kills the whole family so well okay in regards to the murder thing is did he murder the sister or did he because my understanding well, is that like he, he just like put some razor to... blades by her bath on the edge of her bathtub and like that's all it took to push her over the edge like he did have that conversation with her, and there's that scene in the bathroom. But like we see in the the fucking reveal montage, usual suspects thing, where we go back to the beginning and we see the the pin and the bike tire and all the stuff about how he planned it from the beginning. But like, well, was it really as simple as him just putting razor blades on the edge of her bathtub? Like, that's it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the conversation he has with her and just. The, the state she's in. I mean, she's kind of a fragile character to begin with and all this stuff happens. And so, you know, she's pretty, she's probably in a dark place at that time and just needed a little, a, a little, little nudge. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> like that does not cut it for me. She may have cut it, but that does not cut it for me. All right. That's bullshit. <laughs> but I, uh, but I guess, all was, uh, right? Yeah, and he doesn't, I mean, he's the orchestrator of them all dying or being killed, but he, they do, he is somewhat removed from them because, like, with the 
Jacob Elordi's death, Felix's death, he like poisons the drink, but you couldn't necessarily pin that on Oliver. You could maybe after the fact, but um, I think there's a line that like kind of leads to uh, Farley being the one responsible because he has drugs. And so they're, the family might believe that uh, he he was drugged by him in a sense. I agree that the, the ending is very messy, especially when you look at it from like a legal angle, <laughs> like just the, <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, the, I don't think police play a role at all, right? There's no like. They're there to get the body, but we never see them. They, like they get um, Felix's body and there's that bit where like the, uh, the butler is like trying to close the blinds and he like can't get it mm-hmm. and stuck and. Like that whole awkward scene, like the, if I have, to I did kind of like that scene. <laughs> well, just uh, how it. Uh, well, I, I like the scene in general, but then how it leads up to it, how like their son was literally just murdered, and they're like, "Well, like it's lunchtime, we have to have lunch." <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, like that's the kind of stuff that I probably would admire if i didn't hate didn't hate everything else you know what i mean like that scene where they're like trying to have a conversation about the cake and did you have a good birthday party and everyone's just trying to avoid the obvious and then they have the breakdown mm-hmm. but like the whole f- the whole um not felix whatever the farley or whatever like that was like pit- pinning it on him but like oh he was he was doing lines or whatever everyone at that fucking party was doing lines like in the open too i was like confused by why that is supposed to be like a gotcha moment like we see people openly snorting cocaine all over the fucking mansion not even like even the main character felix is doing lines in a back room and that's a back room like we see people doing lines all over the fucking mm-hmm. place so it's just like Oh, that's the condemnation that he saw Farley doing lines of coke. Like, and how? Why didn't he have any like, so, like, the police wouldn't have interviewed him. Like, they wouldn't have been like, oh, maybe you should look into this fucking uh, Oliver guy. Like, it's it's 2007, not 1967. Like, there's fingerprints. There's so much that could have got him caught. You know what I mean? It, like, for me, it just plays yeah. for shock value. Like, the moment where he climbs on top of Rosamund Pike's character and, like, rips the breathing tube out of her throat. Like, it's meant to, like, shock you. But, like, you're really... Like, how is he supposed to play that off as murder? Like, there would be a damage in her esophagus. They would be able to tell that her breathing tube was removed. Who's Like, that, that's what I mean by everything falls apart when you think about it for more than two seconds. And those are the kinds of movies where it's just, like... If you're, Fuck if you. I'm not gonna have fun watching your movie, <laughs> like, then it needs to make sense to me, and nothing about this movie makes sense to me. Yeah, I would agree that the the ending is, is it, the weakest part, and that's where it stumbles the most is when it's trying to, you know, the climax and then wrapping it all up. Um. Yeah, I agree with all that. Okay. Well, then let's pivot. Let's pivot to the shock value stuff, like. I'm curious, how did that play in your theater? Uh, honestly, not much of a reaction. What? Was, how many people were in your screening? Uh, only a few. Oh, shit. Okay. My screening was interesting because it was 
I would say probably half full. And I think me and Haley were the oldest people in the theater by like a decade. It was a lot of young people. Hmm. And they were like very uncomfortable during the shock <laughs> value sequences. Like I haven't heard that much audience reaction in I like I can't even point to an example. There was a guy who was so horrified during all of those scenes. He was like, "Oh my god, what's wrong with him?" Oh, oh my god, like <laughs> like at that volume too. It's not like he was just like doing it to his like person that he was with. He was like saying these things out loud. He was like, "You sick fuck. Oh my god." Like I'm sorry, is this your first fucking movie? Like go home and put on fucking Paw Patrol. Like I do think it is a movie that is trying to shock a younger audience who have not been exposed to anything like this in a film or at all, I guess. But yeah, I, to your point, it, I mean, I'm pretty desensitized, so it didn't really like phase me. I mean, th- there is some shock to them and they're a little uncomfortable, I guess. But again, there there's also a horniness to them. I didn't find this movie horny in a good way at all. It was like stupid. Except, except when you saw a dong. Except the dong, of course. But like, <laughs> I mean, can we talk about the fact that they make this big thing about like, oh, how huge his cock is, and then we see his cock, and it's just like normal cock. You know what I mean? Like, It's a pretty solid cock. I wasn't in awe of that cock, you know? Should have had Michael Fassbender. Should have had the, the Mark Wahlberg <laughs> prosthetic from Boogie Nights flopping around during that dance scene. You know, I don't know. Like that's what I. That's what I. I don't know. Think. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, though. It's just like everything from like the cum slurping in the bathtub to like the period makeout mm-hmm. to like the. Um, oh my god! So I don't know. Did you look at the letterbox reviews for this movie? A, a little bit. I mean, I, dude, I, I I hate the the one sentence, like buzz reviews that's a, or whatever. A lot. I, like I'm. That's kind of what a lot of what Letterbox is these days, right? Like all of the top reviews are like those kinds of reviews, and I it's mean, frustrating. Let's take it one step further. That's the internet. That's the fucking world these days, Matt. Everything's a a bit. It, it well it's all, okay. Sure. It's all Everyone's for the memes. just trying to go viral. It's annoying, yeah. but like just as a sample, I, I pulled it up. I looked at these reviews like before we started recording because I was curious. Uh, the top review, a movie about how Jacob Elordi is simply so fucking hot that his mere existence is enough to make someone legally insane. Five stars. <laughs> Does for bathtubs what Call Me By Your Name did for peaches. Four and a half no. stars. Sometimes you just have to bottom your way to the top. Four stars. That's pretty um, good. <laughs> my personal favorite. Um, where did it go? Oh my god, I gotta find it. Where is it? I feel like they changed the order. I gotta go further to find it. Oh, here we go. My personal favorite review. Fellas, is it gay to fuck your homie's grave? Five stars. <laughs> like <sighs> that person needs to be removed from Letterbox. <laughs> that scene in particular, though, people were losing it in my theater. And in my head, I'm thinking, like, 
why like what he's in a fucking casket like what are we doing here it just felt like it was meant to be provocative and it just wasn't i was like what is happening here like that one not, was the one that to me served felt try uh, hard yeah it well it served the the, the least amount of purpose now i w- i mean the the common blood stuff you could read that as him like you know, eating the rich or getting a taste of it and he wants more. Right, thing, but, but again, it's so literal that he's literally tasting the rich, well, getting a taste of it. And he does make a comment about how he's a vampire. Yes. <laughs> Which is also very on the nose. Now, credit where credit is due, one of the best shots in the film is Oliver oh in the bathtub God. with the bloody mouth after... Uh, munch and carpet, munch and period carpet after that scene. But that whole scene was just like... Yeah, that like, reminded me of like a like Joker-esque, that, that shot or like brief scene. Little him bit, in the yeah, bathtub. Yeah. 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 But it, like that whole scene just felt like it came from someone who has never had sex before. Like it's such <laughs> a tat, like, oh my God, it's period blood, like whatever. Like, it, it, yeah, it's gross, that scene, but like... Come on, like that's really like when what I think of when I think of a movie that is like genuinely provocative and gets under your skin and is just like weird. The Greasy Strangler is oh, a movie no. that comes to mind all the time. <laughs> and, like say what you will about that movie, that is a like I just imagine the people in my theater watching the Greasy Strang the Greasy Strangler, and I think half of them would probably hang themselves in the theater. Like they just wouldn't be able to handle how like unhinged and insane that movie is with how it pushes boundaries you know Mm -hmm. this movie it's just like it doesn't push any boundaries it just felt like shock value that wasn't shocking and like you said maybe we're just desensitized i guess but like the main thing that rubbed me the wrong way was the like eating disorder stuff and that same scene where he's like i've noticed you haven't been eating you need to eat tomorrow you're gonna eat you're gonna be a good girl kind of thing just like just the whole connotation behind that sequence and i get it's supposed to be uncomfortable but it's also just like deeply offensive like i feel for anyone who like is watching that movie and has or had bulimia and watching that and how it's portrayed and just like Again, it's trying to make you uncomfortable, but it's just like out of pocket for me. Like it, it crosses a line that doesn't need to be crossed for something that isn't even that narratively interesting or even really that provocative. It's just like uh, unfair. You know what I mean? Like uh, deeply misguided as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, a little maybe. I mean, I, I think the that scene in particular was also trying to show like he's a little different than others and is um like uh i lost my train of thought but um yeah a little different maybe telling her what she wants to hear a little bit or like giving her the attention that she hasn't really gotten because she does seem a little bit of like an outcast of the family I don't think it's an attention thing, though, because we literally have multiple allusions to last summer, what happened last summer with his old best friend, and it involved Venetia. Like, I don't think it's an attention thing. Like, she, it almost seems like a pattern of behavior that it's like, which I get, 
fair. You know, maybe the implication is that she just can't keep her hands off of the toys that Felix brings home. But like, I don't know, man. The more I think about this movie, the more I just get pissed off. The, I thought that you were going to say the best looking moment or moments of the film were I loved the shot of uh, him walking down those stairs, like in the courtyard to meet her with the like light shining in the back of him. And it's just like a dark silhouette of him walking down the stairs. Now that was come down. Uh, didn't even leave an impression. Oh man. No, <laughs> there are specific images that are, are cool to look at, but they're empty. Like the, the scene where she's uh, floating in the water and you have like the, the watermelon pool floaty and like, mm-hmm. I mean, even down to the choice to have the move with like the aspect ratio, like she gave a reason for that. That it's well, like I a, fucking bet she did. I'm sure, she did. You know, fucking. It's like a a peek into the elite world. Stop it! What? No, it wasn't. That's <laughs> yeah. not what she said. Something along those lines. What? What does that even mean? Well, because it, you know, it's. I mean, it's not like the the full view. It's it's stop. a little uh, Just closed stop. off. So stop talking. I don't even want. I do. Th- I don't even want to hear what else she had to say <laughs> about that. that that's the rationale. Think. Oh my god. I fucking hate this lady. And you know what uh, else fucking fucking grinds my gears is that she's been very vocal about like the backlash that she has received. And she's very defensive in all of the interviews I've ever seen or read from her. And she just blames it on misogyny. Like, no, you're just a fucking privileged hack that doesn't know how to write or make movies. Don't fucking uh-oh. fall on the, like, oh, it's because they hate women. They don't want to see women succeed. Get fucked. You're just a bad filmmaker. Dude, I'm fucking uh, on one right now. I am so pissed don't off. Don't ever rewatch Promising so Young Woman. I'm so pissed off. <laughs> Dude, Please. I own Promising Young Woman. It's behind me. Oh, no. Oh, man. That thing is ripe for a rewatch. That letterbox oh, review man. is going to be unhinged, let me tell you. <laughs> um, which, uh, I on. do. Okay, really quick. In regards to the aspect ratio, I kind I mean, I don't really care what aspect ratio the movie is in and w- the reason or rationale for doing it if that's the way you want to shoot your movie do it i don't care um i think the way things are framed I, are done well and i don't think this movie had to be in this ratio but i don't think really any movie needs to be in that ratio um it's just like a stylistic choice but like the only like good reason that people give to to why it should be like that is like oh because it it's it's trying to be claustrophobic and and so if it's not doing that then it's it's not worthy of being in that aspect ratio like i don't know it's just like i i'm getting sick of uh like certain criticisms of movies where like you point out and i'm not saying this about you but where you point out the obvious and then you like think you're a fucking film critic because you did that it's like yeah no shit dude <laughs> Okay, so I guess the main difference for me would be, I get what you're saying about the claustrophobia thing. I look at a movie like The Lighthouse. That's Not even one of the best examples I've... of a modern, like you know, film that chose to be in a square aspect ratio. But you're at he Eggers is actually utilizing the the aspect ratio and composing his images in a way that actually feels different. Like he's taking advantage of well, 
and also it lends itself to the time period it's set in and also there's a and verticality to it because of the lighthouse yeah. you know it's a tall yep. skinny structure like there you know there's like there's the obvious more obvious stuff but just like but there is a verticality to Saltburn. i mean like um just like some of the hallways and stuff i think it it lends itself in that regard in certain images like, like i said there are certain images that jumped out to me as i was watching them but then they passed and they didn't leave any lasting impact they were just like neat you know like like the neon demon is neat there are things like i see things and i'm like yes that is cool undoubtedly very cool but then that's, that's a good it. comparison actually neon demon <laughs> Yeah, yeah for you at least. Yeah. Fucking... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally. love both of them. But... <laughs> well, to a degree. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, again, it's just it's just another element of like it just feels like she's trying so desperately to be like this art house yeah. indie darling, and I just like honestly, I think she has an eye. I want. I would like to see her direct someone else's material at this point. Like, yeah. I think my main issue is with her as a writer. I would really like to see her direct someone else's material at this point, just to see. You know what I mean? Like, I do think that you know, uh, well, she she's definitely comes from a rich background, and she's had all of the like resources behind her to give her the education and the background to make her a competent filmmaker. I would like to see her like be a director as opposed to like writing these screenplays that like fall. Like this one really for me hinges on the screenplay is where it all falls apart. So I'd like to see her direct someone else's material at this point. Yeah, I would agree. And it kind of goes back to my point about it being a, a little too try hard or maybe um she shouldn't have uh chose this as her sophomore effort it would be cool to see her like take a turn with her next project and do something that isn't like a colorful psycho thriller you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it would be cool to see her do something different if she is going to write another screenplay, which she probably will, I think this movie is doing all right at the box office. Um, it's not like a runaway hit or anything, but like, I don't. It probably didn't cost that much to make. Well, and, Jacob Elordi gets butts and seats because of Euphoria. Euphoria, and isn't he also in those uh, those rom com? Yes, on Netflix. on Netflix. I forget the um, based on the YA novels. Um, oh, the Kissing Booth. He's in those movies. That's okay. The Kissing Booth. I've seen uh, the majority of Euphoria, and um, I saw Priscilla recently, and now this, and yeah, I actually really like him. I um, I've heard. I he's thought great he was in Priscilla. He is really good in Priscilla. Um, I didn't necessarily love him when my only exposure to him was euphoria but it's probably the character he plays because he plays like the biggish like douche jock known to man in that like he's just a giant piece of shit i mean yeah he's he's like the worst character in i mean a lot there's a lot of terrible people in that series <laughs> but uh in euphoria, he's probably he's got to be the top terrible but 
Have you seen having any only, of it? Having only seen the pilot episode of Euphoria, uh, only okay. going based off of like what I've absorbed from like the zeitgeist surrounding that movie, seems like or not movie that show seems like yeah. they're all kind of terrible. But anyway. yeah, uh, but yeah, obviously he's he's uh, attractive, but I don't think people actually like his character in Euphoria. It's purely a uh, physical thing with him. Yeah. yeah. Those poor, those poor Euphoria actors. Just, I mean, Sydney Sweeney. Thank God she's she has broken through and she's you know in everything now. God bless her. Um, I think Jacob will be just fine. Oh, he will be a- after yeah. these two movies and yeah. Now we just need Barbie Ferreira to uh, break through to the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. Anything else uh, on Saltburn before we wrap her up? Um, let me look over my notes real quick, see if there's anything else worthy. Oh, I did. Okay, so we we haven't really uh, addressed like the 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 turn for Oliver's character. So were you were you genuinely surprised by like the the moment that I'm thinking of that was kind of the turning point was when he brings Felix brings all of surprises him on his birthday by bringing him home. And that's when we mm-hmm. find out he's been lying. His dad wasn't dead. Like, I don't know about you, but as soon as he had that visceral reaction to going home, I was like, Oh, his dad's not dead and he's probably not poor. And then sure enough, he rolls up into the neighborhood and it's just like a perfectly fine middle-class arguably upper middle class i don't know a ton about you know england so i can't say for sure but struck me as upper middle class and i knew his dad was going to be alive like that was you know beyond a shadow of a doubt i knew that that was going to be alive at that point like did that moment work for you like is that something that took you by surprise because like i said like i could see somebody being like totally into like the vibes of the movie and getting sucked in. And then when that reveal happens, it's like a, a knife to the heart kind of thing. But for me, I was like, it came from a mile away. So when the movie set up those dominoes, I was like, Oh, of course this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. How did that see, moment sit with you? Um, more in the middle, definitely not a knife to the heart and not I a did surprise, not see it coming also... from a mile away. <laughs> okay. But I rarely try and figure out what a movie is like trying to do. I usually just, you know, go on the journey with it. I don't like to guess the killer and slashers or whatever. I'll just see what it happens at the end. (laughs) (laughs) I was along for the ride, dude. I don't know. No, I feel you. Just here for the vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's fair. But did you not? I feel like the movie from the beginning portrays all like obviously there's something off about the kid right it's at least ambiguous Mm -hmm. in the first 30 minutes or so but like come on like as the movie progresses like how is well he's a bit of an outcast Uh, only because he's perceived as being poor and he is maybe that he's maybe poor by the uh like I guess what's kind of weird about the way that like the class structure is portrayed in this movie is that there's just like 
only one other outcast and we go back to the same outcast over and over and he's like he's like fucking british napoleon dynamite you know yeah with like a touch of the tiz and it's just like fucking well infuriating uh, that like you really think you're really leading me to believe that at a, a university as like world renowned and huge as oxford that these two fucking jabronis are like the only two outcasts and everyone else is an aristocrat and i don't well i i think it's just trying to point out that like he doesn't really want to be that guy or in that circle he wants to be jacob alordi's character and wants to be in that circle and so he schemes up a plan to you know achieve that and there's uh, consequences for <laughs> everyone but him. <laughs> well, it's just, it's so annoying to me that, like, those are his options. Like, do I be perceived as the guy who hangs out with the fucking nerdy math kid who has outbursts in public? Or do I systematically wipe out a fucking rich family and take over their mansion? Like, those are my options here? Like, well... I think you're talking about a longer movie if we were to expand on that. I don't need... <laughs> you don't need to explain to me like what his motivations are. The problem for me is that I'm just like... Like, why? I don't know, man. Like, this whole thing was plotted well, from the beginning, and I'm like, it doesn't... It's not an interesting character development it almost plays more like a like a like a horror movie or something which is this movie is just not that you know yeah i don't know as far I, as like the I simplicity still... of like motive character motivation and just like the 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 plot holes the, the swiss cheese plot of this movie of like him just like being a social climber like he just he ends up with this esteemed mansion at the end of the movie. Like, I get that it's not supposed to be, like, that serious, but, like, come on. Like, uh. I, I mean, I do think a lot of it is surface level. As I, I think that's what you're getting at or have been getting at. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with that necessarily, but. I Yeah, Matt, you hated this movie. Fucking hated it, man. All right. I will say it. It, it, it'll probably be impossible to get this thing up to a five and you know a heavy four is probably more accurate for me but um we got to start making some uh drawing some lines so uh take that how you will now <laughs> before we move on do we want to guess paris's star rating for this movie i don't think she has seen it but Paris has been watching well, a lot. She's she's deep into Cram Jam, so she'll get there. I Do only want to guess if she doesn't listen to this moment before she sees it. I don't want this in her head before she sees the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this moment in time right here, assuming Paris has not seen the movie, going mm -hmm. based on what we know about Paris, where do you think she would land on this? Well, she loves giving movies five stars. She does love giving movies five stars. Uh, honestly, it's hard to say, but if I were to guess, I would guess she loves it and would give it a five. And same, she's gonna same. be, she's gonna be skating or flying high on those vibes. 
<laughs> I hope she has plans to see it. She was not able to make this recording, but but there is a small chance that she has a similar reaction to you. Maybe not as negative, but I could see her saying fuck this movie for reasons X, Y, and Z. But I think she would agree with me a little bit more with some of its redeeming qualities. Yeah, I agree. I'm curious. So let, let the record curious. show. This is where now, these are our predictions. You did see this film with uh, your SO, correct? Yes. And I saw she gave it a glowing rating on uh, LB. Oh, I didn't see. What did she? What did she give it? She gave it four stars. Mm-hmm. Now I'm curious. How was the uh, ride home? How was the conversation? After Mostly the this podcast oh, put, put, put me in a car. Jesus. <laughs> Haley wanted the, to I, die. I was the passenger princess. Um, oh, no. Haley Just. was. She was surprised that, like, she made a comment. She was like, "I can never tell." where you're going to land on the movie. She she thought I was going to be like, hell yeah, that movie was awesome. And then we left and I just like immediately, like people were still leaving the theater and I was just like, get me. Like, I was just like, I fucking hated the movie. Like, um, so she was surprised. She agreed with some of my points for sure. I think she, she definitely acknowledges that aspects of the movie fall apart. If you yeah. nitpick them. I don't call it nitpick. I, don't, I, could see I don't even why think you need call to nitpick. nitpick. <laughs> I don't think it's a nitpick, but anyway. So she she agreed that like okay, I could see. She actually brought um brought up the Farley thing. She was like, "What happened to him? Like why what, what it doesn't make didn't make sense to her why like he was not like a a loose thread kind of thing, you know? It's just like he just kind of is embarrassed and gets like exiled from the family. And then it's like, that's just the end of his character kind of thing. So there were things that she, she brought up before I did as like, you know, implausibilities in the film, but she was on board with the vibe. She, she really, she really liked it. With his character, you kind of get an inkling that he is kind of part of the family now. And like, he's kind of, you know, forced his way into a degree. And so they they don't necessarily like him, but he like has managed to stick around. Yeah. A parasite, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One other thing, another thing that Haley and I discussed in the car ride, now that you brought it up, um, Carrie Mulligan's character. I love Carrie Mulligan. She just, she felt so like miscast and wasted in that role. Like she does nothing I agree. other than it, it, look cool. She kind of felt just like a shoehorn cameo. Like, yeah, we all know she was the star in my last movie. So I have to give her a couple scenes in this one. Mm-hmm. But some people were saying like, well, they like really like her performance in this. And like, she like kind of like steals the show to a degree. I feel like she barely what? really makes an impact. She doesn't and it's do not, anything. It's not even like to discredit her at all. It's just what she's given. She's great. Carrie Mulligan is one of our finest actors. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And the fact like, okay, I will say I did get one of the few times I chuckled was when we find out that she committed suicide 
And Rosamund Pike's character is like, she would do anything for attention. That's <laughs> just like a throwaway <laughs> gag. I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. <laughs> it's dark, but like, that's the kind of stuff that I like. I wish the movie was more like that. You yeah. know, I liked that. But she felt wasted to me. She has like no screen time. It, it literally just felt like a cameo. I've got to get her in here because she was my star in my first movie. So I was, yeah, I was disappointed in that regard. It is funny though, because towards the end of the movie, I was like, I know Matt liked or loved promising young woman, but I have a feeling he is going to not like this movie borderline <laughs> hate it. And I didn't want to like put you in a box or anything. And I, I had the notion that you, you know, loved her previous movie so i wasn't completely sure but i just had a hunch that you were gonna give this movie the middle finger yep (laughs) and you did (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay do we want to finish is this it are we done i think we've said enough about it pretty good for just the two of us i mean we were Mm -hmm. that's like an hour not quite an hour but that's pretty good I hope the listeners enjoy it. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to what we've been watching. We have been watching quite a bit. We're in full swing for Cram Jam. Um, You want to go tit for tat for as long as we can or want to do? You want to do it that way? Sure. I'll try and be first. I'll try and be brief about everything because I kind of have a lot. So, uh, yeah. um, Most of this will be new releases with a couple old films um i watched blackberry then maybe that came out earlier this year about the uh the history or story of blackberry and how it came to be and ultimately crashed and burned now not to cut you off but that is pretty high on my list mostly for glenn howerton's performance did you rent this or is it streaming somewhere it is currently streaming on amc plus ah okay there's a couple I, I other a little, movies on the uh, radar. little trial thing. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're still doing it, maybe, but uh, Amazon Prime right now, Prime Video or whatever, you can add AMC Plus as a channel, and it's only like two-something a month for the first two months. So I'll probably just keep it for the two months and then cancel. There's a couple other new releases on there that I want to see. Yeah, I've got a few on my list that are on AMC Plus. Okay, cool. Anyway, oh, um, speaking of AMC Plus, though, uh, this was also turned into a series that is on AMC Plus as well. And uh, I don't like that. Yeah. Not a fan of that. Do not like when movies are turned into series. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> that is gross. Like, well, okay. So the, the film exists on AMC Plus, but in addition to that, there is a limited series like version of it, which is just like extended or deleted scenes added to this to make a series that is gross oh so they literally take the movie add in a little bit of content and break it up into episodes yeah like three episodes ew yeah is that a new thing i've never heard of that before uh i mean i i think it's happened on more than one occasion and is probably what? gonna be more of a thing in the future but uh oh, barf yeah pretty gross um, but yeah, I, I really, I, I obviously watched the film version, have no interest in watching the limited series. Yeah. Fuck that. Uh, I did really like it. It's, uh, got a good cast of characters. I think Matt Johnson might be my favorite in it. He's also the director. 
you're familiar with this director, right? He did um, he did the Dirties, and he did uh, that one uh, something. Is it Project Avalanche or something like that, or the the Moon movie? Yeah, <laughs> um, I think I Operation that. Avalanche. I think okay. it's called right. Which I never I saw. I never think saw that movie. I saw it. It, it was decent. Um, and then I forget what else. He's, I think he's done one other movie of note. Um, but yeah, he also plays a role in it. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting story. I mean, you kind of know where it's going if you, if you're in tune with uh, the world and uh, how the uh, the cell phone market has gone over the years. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and it's it's not quite on the level of something like uh, the Social Network or Jobs. But it's it's in line with those. It's just maybe like a you know a step down, not like a huge step down. But you know, those are five star movies. This is a, a four star movie. Well, Social Network is a five star movie. I don't know if I would say Jobs is a five star movie. A very good film for sure but or i th- i think it's steve jobs jobs is the one with ashton kutcher oh ashton kutcher <laughs> i can't keep all this shit straight anymore dude. no i think you're right i think it is steve jobs <laughs> um yeah good movie but i would Did argue I give a that? step below oh, okay i gave i gave steve jobs four stars so maybe it's on the level yeah, of steve yeah. jobs okay. not quite on the level of social network i mean social network is one of the greatest films of all time but yeah yeah um yeah. but yeah interesting story uh it's it's entertaining it's um I, I like the style of it there may be like one too many pop culture references because it's set like through the 90s and the 2000s and uh matt johnson's character in particular he like is always making a point to be wearing like a a doom shirt or like you know like he has a teenage mutant ninja turtles wallet like a velcro wallet uh <laughs> i like all that stuff i love the like kind of like movie nerd or like pop culture nerd of uh, like fan service but there might have been like one too many because it it does start to call attention to itself just because of how many instances there are yeah and that i mean it's i kind of like that he is the you know he's the director of the film and so it's it's all intentional um like it, there's kind of like a um like a additional angle to it because he he's like constantly uh referencing movie lines and like they have movie nights and so like he's clearly a movie fan but then he's also the director of the movie so yeah i think there's maybe one too many of those things but i did like that aspect of it um but yeah i i would uh thoroughly recommend it it's uh definitely an entertaining watch now my question to you is how good is one of our generation's greatest uh actors uh glenn howerton how is he he's uh, good he's uh i mean he plays an asshole and is like constantly yelling and berating people but uh he's great at it <laughs> i am excited i dennis is my favorite character and it's always sunny so i i am very curious to uh to check it out and i have no idea what the uh actual people look like in this movie but um if you've seen like a poster or anything from this there's some interesting hairstyle choices I have seen. I'm assuming it's it's 
it's uh, you know for like comedic effect, but it does stand out. And you know that could very well be intentional, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, I'll go next. Did I talk about Quiz Lady on the next episode or on the last episode? I don't think I did. Right. Mm, if you did, Pretty I was sure completely checked out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is a 2023 release. So this was uh, a pick of Haley's. We we try to do like a one for you, one for me kind of agreement you know mm-hmm. for the most part uh, when we watch movies together anyway um and quiz lady is on hulu it's a 2023 release and it stars aquafina sandra O, oh, and will ferrell who is playing like a alex trebek type character hosting a quiz show and um it was okay uh, thoroughly entertained by it. There were some moments that were definitely funny. It's heartfelt. Um, Aquafina is kind of cast against type, as is Sandra O. Oh, because Sandra O oh was kind of playing the like crazy unhinged like sister who like doesn't have her shit together, and Aquafina is like kind of the like social outcast like weirdo in the family. But basically, Quiz Lady is a movie about. Uh, this family who has specifically Aquafina's character who has an obsession with this quiz show um, and they find themselves in a situation based on various hijinks that happen where they need money and uh, Aquafina's character goes viral um, basically answering all of the questions uh all the answers she correctly gets all the answers to the questions on an episode of this quiz show and it goes viral and then basically they go on a quest to get her on this quiz show and it's like you know pretty boilerplate like kind of standard uh heartfelt comedy tropes you know what i mean like it doesn't necessarily do anything unexpected it has that scene that you've seen in about 300 different comedies where a character takes drugs that they are not aware of and then they have like a you know psychedelic like sequence where they're like things get trippy you know you've seen mm-hmm. that scene a million times right mm-hmm. um, this one is it's one of the better ones it was genuinely pretty funny that was a standout there's some heartfelt moments, but ultimately it was just a little too generic and a little too cliche for me to like really rave about it. So I landed on, on three stars, um, mm-hmm. very enjoyable watch. Um, I'm not going to recommend it for cram jam cause it's not, it's not going to make the top 10, but like, right. It's an entertaining movie. Like I, you know, I liked it. You know. Yeah. That's uh that's one that Chelsea's interested in watching and I am as well, but like it's not on the top of my list. And yeah, like you said, snowball's chance in hell that it actually makes a top 10 list so probably won't prioritize it but if she really pushes for it one night then maybe there are worse (laughs) ways to spend your time it's honestly Uh, as far i hate that as a uh (laughs) as a like recommendation for a movie you could spend your time doing worse things it's like yeah no shit but it really it's not like there aren't redeemable qualities about it you know like i don't yeah i i'm as much as I've been on this kick of like bangers only, like I'm only watching good movies, like, you know, I still enjoy a good three star movie, you know? Well, this and sometimes you have to watch those turds and three star movies to really appreciate the bangers. 
sometimes you do, and sometimes you know that's just being in a relationship. It's called compromise. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's sometimes you gotta, you know, it's either it's either uh, Quiz Lady or it's you know some Hallmark movie or it's uh, you know some Netflix trash. You know, so you you pick your battles, no. you take the best or the worst, and it was good. I you know I I, I legitimately had fun with it, it, but you know I'm not gonna recommend it to anybody. Now you said the the phrase quiz show about a million times talking about that. Have you ever seen the 1994 classic quiz show directed by Robert Redford? I have not. Hmm. I can't really speak to it, uh, but fun fact, this was one of the three movies that I rented with my DVD Netflix subscription back in the day when we were mailed this. And this was one of the first three movies I rented as, as my uh, subscription quiz show huh mm-hmm. i don't know why i think it was like one of the highest rated <laughs> movies on there and i was like sure let's do it it was that crash the the, the oscar winning oh yeah paul haggis like and i can't remember the third one but those were the days that man. was dude that, that that's when i like really got into movies was it was like my last year of high school i only went to like two periods a day because I only needed like a credit to graduate. And so the first four periods, I was like, nah, not important. And I was also working <laughs> like, you know, 30, 35 hours a week. And so that was like my routine. I would go to work or I'd go to school for two periods, go to work, come home late, watch a Netflix disc, go to bed, wake up, do it all over again. <laughs> Me too, minus the work part. You fucking <laughs> loser. What are you doing working a job? I, Come on. I had to make that shmoney. <laughs> um, okay, that's all I have for Quiz Lady. Back to you. All right, so this one will be brief, but uh, I rewatched Child's Play, the classic, original yes. Chucky After film. After my rave review of the Chucky franchise, I'm assuming. Um. Yeah, that might have played a little bit of a factor. Ah, um, come on, come on. <laughs> That's the sole reason you rewatched that thing. <laughs> well, I've been watching some of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, and then I saw Thanksgiving recently. We saw Megan earlier this year, right? Yeah. yeah. Seems forever ago. Just a minute. Uh, you're, you're dying to be a chucklehead just like me. <laughs> sure, Matt. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I can't I can't recall the last time I watched it, but it was like pre letterbox days, so it's definitely yeah. been a while. Um, and uh, yeah, Ch- Ch- Child's Play is it's it's pretty good, right? It's pretty good. It's it's better than pretty good. It's like in between like good and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I think the setup is a little better makes more sense in the remake or Megan. Um, just because the whole, like, it's like, like a, the, like the voodoo. Like a, yeah. <laughs> I don't it's like, like, why does this guy, why does this murder no voodoo? It's a little far fetched, you know, like you just gotta take it for what it is and buy into it. Yeah. Um, but I do really like, I mean, Chucky is an awesome character. Um, he's fun. He's, you know, menacing. And I think this, like, it, it's obvious to point out, but it, I think it plays into that, like, fear of, um, like, children. So watching this at a young age, I think, would be a lot more impactful than 
watching it as an adult. But um, yeah, I I really like the uh, the limitations of it at times. It kind of has like a Jaws aspect to it where less is more. And part of that is just due to the like constraints. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just think there's like some like interesting creative ways that they get around of like not showing the doll as much as they necessarily need to. Um, I love the ending. The ending is awesome when he's all yes. melted. Just the look of that is yep. awesome. <laughs> um, and one thing that was surprising to me, I mean, there are slasher aspects to it, but it doesn't really feel like that much of a horror film to me. It feels more like, like an action thriller because some of the set pieces are like pretty big for like they play as action. And then, I mean, thriller and horror kind of go hand in hand at times, but to me it plays more like a, like, yeah, like an action thriller than a horror film. Yeah. I wouldn't really, I guess it's technically a slasher, but I wouldn't really categorize it as such. Like it doesn't really feel like one. The sequels definitely do. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, at least the original Child's Play feel plays more like a thriller than it does like a. Because there's like the said, the like the big car or like it's not really a car chase, but he's like, yeah, there's a scene involving a car that is pretty action esque, and then another big set piece involves like an explosion at like a crack house. So like, yeah, just I don't know. It doesn't like there's not like a lot of gore to it. That like the most like horrific or like gory moments would probably be the end when he's all melted. But even then he's a doll. So it's like, it's yeah. cool, but it's not really gory. They definitely embrace the gore in the later Chucky movies. I don't know if you're intending on like going down the rabbit hole like I did, but they definitely embrace the gore in the, in the later Chucky movies. Yeah. I don't, how many are there? Child's Play 1 through 3, Bride of Chucky. There's like eight or nine of them. Holy. Yeah, I don't Maybe, know about all um, of them, but... Uh, wait, so Bride of Chucky with the fourth, Cult... There's eight, I think. If you don't count yeah. the, the, the reboot, I think there's eight core, like Don Mancini Chucky movies. I think there's eight. I've never seen Child's Play 2 or 3, but Bride of Chucky has a uh, special place in my heart just because I saw that in the theater and it was kind of like a family movie <laughs> for us to a degree. Like <laughs> I remember watching that movie more than once with my family, which didn't happen that, that often. So um, yeah, I have fond memories of seeing that movie. Um, and I love uh, Jennifer Tilly. She's uh, right up there with Patricia Arquette. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Total smoke show. Uh, Total babe. But uh, yeah, I, I'm i curious to uh, check out two and three and then finally rewatch Bride of Chucky because it's been years. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Cool. Okay. Um, next movie I'll talk about, uh, Fingernails. Have you had a chance mm. to watch Fingernails or do you? is it even on your radar? Um. Mildly interested. I don't have access to Apple Plus or whatever it's called. Oh, but um okay. Apple T V plus. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. I plan on seeing Napoleon in the theater, so that doesn't really um like push me to get a, a subscription or anything. Yeah. Killers of the I've Flower heard, Moon too. 
I mean, I already saw, I already saw that. Yeah. I would like to rewatch that, but I don't know if I'll get it in before the end of year stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I fingernail sounds intriguing, but I've heard some very negative reactions to it. Uh, like some people have DNF'd it. <laughs> <laughs> And I saw your rating, and I think you gave a little one-sentence review, trying to go viral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta, gotta do some promo where you can, right? Um, but let's hear it. Let's hear it. So it's a it's a movie that, like, on paper seems like it would be a movie that I would like, right? So like, right up your alley. The basic premise. Okay, so like the the poster tagline of the movie is love is a test results may vary right catchy intriguing you're drawn in by the premise or the tagline it's not really a premise but by the tagline basically it's a movie about it's like a near future type of movie similar to eternal sunshine of the spotless mind where technology has been developed where a test has been created where you can biologically test compatibility as far as love right so it's like high concept it's but it's not it's like on paper it sounds like a high concept theory like a you know sci-fi romance type of movie but it's it's not that so my main issue with the movie is that it's another movie similar to saltburn that just falls apart the more you think about it. Until mm-hmm. I saw Saltburn Fingernails was my worst movie of the year. Um, hmm. Now it's Saltburn. Um, it, on paper, it's a movie I should love. I mean, it's got my girl Jesse Buckley in it. I adore Jesse Buckley. It's got Riz mm-hmm. Ahmed in it. He's huge. Jeremy Allen White, who we know and love from The Bear. He's going to be in The Iron Claw, which is also going to be huge. I can't wait for that movie. I am very excited. That is way on, way high on the list. It's got Luke Wilson in it. Like, you know, on paper, it's a movie I should love, but um, it's really stupid. Um, every passing moment just made me question the like just uh, the implications of it don't really make any sense it's a movie that just like begs you to poke holes in it and ultimately it hinges on the chemistry between jesse buckley and riz ahmed to like sell the concept of what it's going for Mm -hmm. and it's just not there for me like i like them both a lot separately as actors but together in this film i just don't buy the chemistry that they have and i don't want to give any spoilers because you know it's it's a movie that at least is going for something so some people do really like it so it's at least worth the watch i can i think i can safely say that you would not like it travis so i would not i would not prioritize this one if you want to weigh in sure give it a poke but i i don't see this one working for you either it's like very surface level like it just it just doesn't work like the chemistry doesn't work it's not like a profound love story there's like a couple conversations that i can point to where i'm like okay that's cool that's interesting that is dialogue that like you know is cutting and it's profound, but that's about it. Outside of a couple like 
singular scenes. Did Pierce bring this up on the last episode? Because she watched it, according to Letterboxd, at the beginning of this month. I don't think so. I don't remember her talking about it. What did Paris give it? She's the highest on it of all my friends on Letterboxd. And Whoa. she gave it 4.5. Whoa! <laughs> Paris is going to love Saltburn, dude. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. <laughs> Fingernails what? like is another movie I- where I was like so turned off by just like how little sense it makes when you really think about it. Saltburn yeah. is that, like, you know. Plus crap. <laughs> so I'm just like, but I, it's at least like a premise that I found interesting. I was just like, none of it really clicked for me, but it kind of seems like it's trying to be, you already said it, but like, yeah, Charlie Kaufman esque or even Very like much so. another movie that comes to mind. And I don't know how similar it is, but, um, a banger of a film. I know you're a big fan. The one I love. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Charlie McDowell, uh, mm-hmm. another Charlie. Dude, Charlie, I'm a huge, Charlie. I'm a Charlie head. Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny. I mean, I'm going to watch his movie that he put out this year, even though it's supposed to be fucking terrible. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it's It kind of seems like it's aspiring to be, you know, in that space of films or filmmaking. It but is. Yeah, it definitely sounds is. like it, it uh, kind of falls... Very short. Kind of like uh, Saltburn did for you. Aspires to be something great and (laughs) just falls flat on its face. And muffs it. It's like, you know, you see those videos of like Olympians who do like the pole vault thing and they just Mm -hmm. like put the pole on the ground and then they like start to go up and then the pole just fucking snaps and they eat shit in the sand. Mm -hmm. That's this movie. That's Saltburn. It's just like from the get go, it just like does not work. Um, anyway, that's, uh, that's fingernails. That's all I have to say on that. All right. Um, all right. I will talk about the holdovers next. This is, uh, oh, man. one of the, uh, you know, uh, probably, well, yeah, I guess it's being considered as like one of the best films of the year. You know, it's like directed by Alexander Payne. It's getting good buzz. It's, it's all the things. Um, com- it's coming out at the perfect time. It's set around Christmas. And so, um, yeah, I will say that I was excited for this mainly due to the buzz and it being Alexander Payne. I'm a pretty big fan of his. I wouldn't say I like love Alexander Payne, but I do really like the movies I've seen of his. Uh, come but on, th- reunited with Paul Giamatti too, right? Mm-hmm. I, I will say though, I mean, I might I might have to go back and rewatch some stuff, but I think The Holdovers is my favorite film of his. And uh, Paul Giamatti and Co. Knock it out of the park. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. It, it kind of just seems like one of those like you know dramedies that will have uh, varying degrees of success for you, but. Uh, yeah, it really worked for me. I think it's like a instant holiday classic. Uh, it it really takes its time to develop all of its characters, and um, there's like two to three main characters in this, um, and I really like all of their arcs. Uh, the The third biggest character in this, it's um, let me pull up her name. 
she's she plays the cook at the uh, school. So, do you know much about this? Like the premise? Uh, I mean, I know it's like a it's like a private school set over Christmas, and basically mm-hmm. everybody goes home except for. I don't the know if the, he's the only the kid, but yeah, I'm assume there's other kids too. But he, Paul GMI's character, gets stuck like with the holdovers, basically. Yep, and he's kind of a grump. And um, but yeah, another one of the uh, characters is played by Divine Joy Randolph. She plays the uh, the cook at the school, and um, I would have maybe liked a little more from her character. But again, it's it's not really her story. I mean, give a lot of screen time to her and her arc definitely plays a role in like the overarching like f- idea of the film, but it's mainly about Paul Giamatti's character and the kid Dominic Sessa is the actor's name. But yeah, everyone is really good in it. And um, I really like the, the relationship that is developed between uh, Paul Giamatti's character and the kid and um, really liked the way it looked from the opening credits. I was kind of hooked. It's not like it's super cinematic or anything, but just like, I don't know, something about snow and just like the setting of it and just the way everything was framed. I thought it looked really good. It, it has like a a pretty heavy grain look to it. I don't know if it was shot on film or not, but it it's definitely trying to achieve that look. And um yeah, like I said, it's over two hours long, but didn't really feel its length. And I feel like I typically would with a film like this. And um, yeah, I really like the ending. Obviously not going to talk about it, but um, yeah, I, one of the best films of the year. Uh, pretty much loved everything about it. It's a banger. Damn. Uh, this is one that unfortunately I missed. It's It, it came and went pretty quick at uh at the regal by me it like it had a lot of showings its first week and then by the second week it was down to like 11 o'clock in the afternoon showings you know Mm. so it has already passed so i i'm not gonna get a chance to see it in theaters i don't think so hopefully i can catch it on like vod or streaming or something before we record our best of episode because i was really excited to see it it's just like Life happened, the holiday happened, so I just like, you know, didn't I get, get to it. see it in the theater. So I'm I'm kinda bummed, but I well, have, it's high on my priority list whenever I get an opportunity to see it. I would say you have to see it before you make your list. So Yeah. Or the list is uh, gonna have an asterisk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I uh, would love to get into it a little bit more, but uh, I will save my save thoughts it. for another time. Oh yeah. All right. Um, I finally caught up with Past Lives, and oh. I I did really like it, but, but. it's not <laughs> it's not gonna be a contender for me. Um, what? Will you? Would you believe me if I told you I did not cry watching Past Lives? Knowing what you know um, about me, would you believe that I didn't cry? Yeah, I mean, it's not that sad of a movie. I mean, there's definitely sad moments, and it's a bit, like, bittersweet in a sense. But I think it's just more, like, thought-provoking than it is, like, 
trying to be sad. Dude, people act like this movie is like fucking earth shattering, like full body sobs. Dude, th- that this mo- that movie is just life. Like, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I so uh, anticipation was through the roof for this one. This is the one oh, yeah. that felt like this was this was my movie, right? And I did really like it. I gave it a four and a half, but I will say I think that there are other movies, even in recent memory that do it better honestly the first thing that i thought of was actually just, just, just curious a movie similar to past lives yeah well okay so now that you mention it you actually drew a comparison to after sun when mm-hmm. you talked about past lives and the context was that after Sun and Past Lives are movies that like sit with you after you've seen it and just like, you know, has it has an impact and you can't stop thinking about it kind of thing. That was that was the context of the comparison. Mm-hmm. I had that reaction to After Sun. I did not have that reaction with Past Lives like at all. Hmm. Um, it felt so like for me, the crux of the movie and like the the emotional impact of it kind of hinges on like an earth shattering like chemistry between the leads and I just didn't feel that like I just didn't I like I wanted to like root for them and like I wanted my heart to ache for them and it just didn't like it just felt like kind of a misconnection story so when the movie is like playing for like you know, there, there's a there's a moment at the end of the movie where uh, the main character is like having like, you know, a very visceral reaction, like full body sobs based on a reaction that she had. Mm-hmm. It just like it, it didn't hit for me because I just like didn't buy the chemistry between these two leads. Like, I feel like for a movie like this to hit home for me, like truly, it needs like Ethan Hawke. um Julie Delpy chemistry. You know what I mean? Like, I know the comparison has been made to the before trilogy, but I don't think the movie, I mean, that's definitely an aspect, but I don't know if it like completely hinges on that aspect as much as you're saying. Cause I mean, I think the, the most interesting aspect of it is the whole, like, you know, the one that got away and the what if of it all. And, um, Another aspect I really like is her husband in the film. I think the way that character is handled is handled in a like pretty modern and realistic uh, like tone compared to, and I don't know, I feel like we've kind of matured as a society when it comes to relationships and stuff, at least, you know, compared to uh, old, like previous times, but um yeah, that character could have been like a cliche, but he really wasn't. He was like probably one, one of the stronger aspects of the film. I know it's mainly about the two, you know, leads or whatever, but I really like his character and inclusion to it all. Totally. And honestly, like my f- my favorite scene in the whole movie is actually a scene between those two characters and it's where it's late at night and they're like trying to go to bed and there's like a very like emotional like conversation that they have about 
So his character, basically, the, the gist of the conversation is that he feels like there is a part of her that he can never see because of the language mm-hmm. barrier. Not a barrier. She speaks fluent English, but she is from Korea. So he, like, basically... It's just like a culture aspect. Yeah, he was like, he, I feel like there's a whole part of you as a human being that I just, like, will never get to experience which i found to be quite profound like i i thought that was like very insightful and i thought the dynamic between those two characters was very interesting where the movie i'm not gonna say fails because i do think the movie does a good job of developing it but i feel like it didn't hit for me like it should have is between the two the two leads the two characters who who grew up and met in korea and they have this relationship where they like briefly rekindle it it's like a story of like three sections it's like childhood post-college you know adulthood you know is kind mm-hmm. of like the three vignettes or whatever um don't get me wrong i gave it four and a half stars and like right now it's like a fringe top 10 pick but by by the time all is said and done like it's you know it's not going to make the top 10. So I was like, well, it was a disappointment in the sense that I was going into it, expecting it to be like, probably like a top five movie. And it's like, yeah, I did really enjoy it, but it just like, it, it didn't hit for me in the same way that a lot of movies about like misconnections and loneliness and love have for me in the past. Like, like her, like, Charlie Coffin films like Cold War, uh, the Before trilogy. There's like any number of similar films. See, I like I like Past Lives more than all of those. I do like all of those. All of those. I like. I prefer you Past Lives over all. Fuck. You sick fuck. <laughs> no, what about After Sun? Because that was your comparison. And After Sun um, is a movie that, like, honestly, the more I think about After Sun, the more it might be like. That that movie, like, I kind of wish that was my number one movie last year. I have those feelings too. At times, that's my my number one movie. I think last year. Like, let's be real. Like, I think that is like it for me. You know, it. I think I put it at number three, and it should definitely be above Babylon. And then I would need to rewatch Fablemans and After Sun. But yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I think on initial watch. Um, I was like more engaged with uh, past lives, but I really liked our conversation about After Sun during our best of episode last year, and that uh, that is a movie that does sit with you. But I I feel the same way about past lives. I mean, I, I just I love the whole idea of the like you know what if and how they were. I don't well we've kind of spoiled a little bit maybe not really, but um, I like how the the, the first act, you know, they're kind of like forced apart. And then the second act, they're like trying to connect, but there's like life gets in the way and there's like, you know, a distance barrier and all that. And then, yeah, I won't say anything else because then we'll probably really get into spoiler territory. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was just fully along for the ride and um, just like, fascinated by the the whole thought of the movie not that it's like a new thought but i mean you know i i have those thoughts and i'm sure other people have those thoughts (laughs) 
for sure. It's a movie that I, I put a lot of eggs in that basket. And now I'm like, well, there goes my fucking eggs. Like, where am I going to put, where am I going to put the rest of my eggs? You know, like it was, do you think it was overhyped for you at all or? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. Uh, I, I did it to myself. It's a movie that felt like it was like yeah. made for me in many ways. You know? See, that's why, I mean, not saying I played a role in you not fully loving it or giving it five stars or however you want to define it, but sometimes I am a little hesitant to hype a movie up and, you know, give like certain... <laughs> phrases uh because i don't i don't want to like ruin someone's experience and you know i i feel like i have a little influence on um on that i mean i i definitely i would have been interested regardless but right i I mean it's one of the best reviewed films of the year and i'm not the only one praising it um it's just sometimes i'm hesitant to be like oh my god you're gonna love it because then you like you build it up even more you know totally no i get what you're saying i i wouldn't say that like i honestly like if anything made me overhype it it, it was your comparison to after sun mm. like not that that like you know there's a million other factors that went into me wanting to see this movie and you know anticipating loving it so it's not like it's not just the after sun thing but like we've been talking about movies together and doing this fucking podcast together for like years and years so it's like we know each other's taste so like when you yeah. and paris were like matt you're gonna fucking love this movie and it's not like i didn't love this movie i did i did love it but right it, it's hard to like when 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 the anticipation and the expectations are through the roof it's always almost impossible to meet those expectations right like it, it's rare than oh movie, yeah i like, definitely deal with that and I don't. And it's not, a lot of it's me building it up in my head. <laughs> that is part of it too, you know. But it's like, I I did really like it, and I can't even say I was disappointed. I just, it's not, it's not gonna be in my top ten. I'll, yeah. I'll put it that succinctly. You know? Really curious to see what tops it though. <laughs> <laughs> this year, there's like a lot of wild cards. This year, it's gonna be. A, I feel like me, you, and Paris are gonna be like all over the place obviously paris is number one is going to be fucking dream salt scenario. burn <laughs> <laughs> salt burn no, I, was, I was thinking dream scenario because nick cage is in it but right um that's a good we'll have guess. To wait and see but i have um, heard good things about that so yep, i could very well it. see see her just taking it as far as she can oh yeah <laughs> um all right Let's get along, little doggy. I've got. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. two that I will spend, you know, like a brief-ish amount of time on, and one that I'm going to mention like offhand. So there's three movies left that I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to keep it brief. So. Okay. Um, back to you. Uh, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. I probably have two or three more that I want to talk about, but I will try and keep it brief. Um, actually, maybe a couple more than that, but again, we'll keep it brief. <laughs> Uh, I finally watched the film The Accused, starring Jodie Foster, the rape film, if you will. The rape film? I don't even know what you're talking about. You, are you never heard of The Accused? No. What? From I think 1988? She won, I think she won Best Actress for it. 
Never seen it. This I feel like this is like infamous where it's like, you know, one of her best roles. She might overact a little bit, but still really know, good performance. And then there's like the obvious like rape aspect to it. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole like crux or, you know, plot of the movie is uh, her character gets raped at the beginning at a bar and then um, you kind of watch the whole legal system fuck up the prosecution and all that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's as relevant today as it was in the eighties. Um, and I, I feel like most people think this is like a good movie, but not a great movie. I actually really liked it. I really liked the performances, mainly Jodie Foster, Kelly McGillis is in it and she's also pretty good. Um, and the, the scene the rape scene they do go there at one point and they do <laughs> they do not shy away from the moment or the act uh and i could see that being triggering or difficult for some people to watch uh, yeah. i've seen some reviews saying it's unnecessary i disagree with that i think it is completely necessary to show the scene and how it plays out because the whole thing is like she's kind of like you know, raped in front of an audience or like not broad daylight, but like it kind of has that feeling like how did any, how did no one stop this? Or like, how was it not like prevented? Or, and like, there's this whole like mystery or questioning regarding like, how, how did this happen? And they, of course they try and blame Jodie Foster. Like, oh, you were under the influence. You, you know, it, it, it plays in that um, space. But um, yeah, I, I think showing the scene you know, while it is difficult to watch, I don't enjoy watching rape, obviously. I I think it, it like, it shows how that actually could have happened and how, like, they did essentially get away with it, like, in, in front of everyone. So I agree to disagree about having that scene in the film. I know people feel, you know, like it's, a certain like it's gratuitous way. or something, like... Yeah, I just, like... I don't know. Some people just say it's unnecessary or it's it's hard to watch and you can like, you know, you can read between the lines or whatever. But again, I think yeah. the way the the movie like sets up the the act, I think it's important to like show the scene to like, you know, really see how it happened. And I think it's a good scene. Again, it's like it's not an, an enjoy to watch or whatever, but I don't know. I, I really liked it. Sure. And um, I also watched Desert Hearts. I think this is part of the Criterion Collection. It's uh, streaming on Max. I don't know why I was drawn to this one. Maybe just because it <laughs> belongs in the uh, Criterion Collection. Criterion but, uh, bump. It is 90 minutes long, which is a appealing. And, Always um, a plus. <laughs> and it's not like, it's not considered like a classic and it's not like, 80 years old so maybe that was another reason why i was drawn to it but uh it's essentially a lesbian love story about two opposites that attract and uh yeah i also really like this one um i think it was like one of the first mainstream or like lesbian films don't don't quote me but something along those lines I know it uh, 
yeah, that's kind of its like place in history. But um, yeah, I thought it was like a great love story. It's set in the fifties, so you know that's not cool to do back then. <laughs> and um, there's some like masculine aspects to it, like the music and like the way they dress and the setting a bit. And I think that's intentional. Um, there's a, a pretty intimate sex scene in it that is uh, pretty great and not just like for uh, <laughs> not trying to sound like a pervert or anything, which I can be guilty sometimes on the pod, but uh, <laughs> I think it is important to the story and really well done. <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, and yeah, I also uh, like the ending of it. The, the whole thing is like it's it's complicated, you know, for various reasons b- due to the time period and everything. But um, yeah, it like doesn't overstay its welcome. I think it looks pretty good and I like the uh, location and setting of it all. And um, yeah, I think it's worth a watch. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily like blind buy it on, on like the next Criterion sale. But if you're looking for like a, a solid, like a really solid romance drama on max that's 90 minutes long i, I would point am. to this one i would point oh, yeah. to this one <laughs> <laughs> nice um okay i'm gonna do two real quick um the most recent watch for me besides saltburn was teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem Huge. and uh, that movie's awesome it's, it's very cool I give it four stars. Um, it's everything I would have wanted from a Ninja Turtles movie. Um, aren't, aren't you getting a little like, I mean, I love the Turtles, love the Turtles growing up. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've liked all the like the recent iterations of it, but I just feel like we just keep rebooting Turtles. And like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I, again, I'm here for the Turtles, but it just, I think it's starting to have a little bit of like diminishing returns. Now, do you feel the same way about fucking Spider-Man or Batman? Because we've rebooted those way more times than we rebooted the Turtles. And uh, you with were Spider-Man, eating up Batman, hundred percent. Well, <laughs> I think the latest Batman is going for something a little different. Like, sure, it's Batman, but there's there's enough like different aspects going on that you know liven it up a bit. Absolutely. And the latest Ninja Turtles movie. I have to say, well, so the thing about the Ninja Turtles is that I didn't see the Michael Bay ones. I haven't seen either of those movies. So I don't have any reverence. Like, my reference for Ninja Turtles is like the video games, the comics in the 90s, and those like late 80s, early 90s Ninja Turtles movies. That's my reference for. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the action figures. How about like Turtles Live or whatever? Turtles Live? What is that? They did like On a concert back in the day, dude. No, I went to it when I was like two years old, I think. Oh my God. Is it because of that, the second Ninja Turtles movie where they like perform on stage with fucking Alice Cooper or whatever it is? I don't It's been 25 years since I've seen those old Ninja Turtles movies, but... I can't fully remember, but, and I'm too far to reach it, but I have the VHS of uh, one of those shows on my, (laughs) (laughs) on my shelf. Hell yeah. Um, Well, anyway, so the new, here it is. Sorry. Really quick. 
TMNT coming out of their shells live. Check it out. <laughs> coming out of my shell and I've been doing just fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to get me a ripped copy of that VHS. Oh, yeah. Christmas is right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie, this Ninja Turtles movie, it's animated. And mm-hmm. it... Uh, the screenplay is partially written, or two of the credits are Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg of mm-hmm. all of your favorite comedy fame. Um, also producers on the film, Seth Rogen does the voice of Rocksteady? Rock? Yeah, that sounds right. Rocksteady and... Uh, or no, he does, Seth Rogen does Bebop. He does Bebop. John Cena is Rocksteady. Oh, does Rocksteady. Okay, right. So, you know, um, uh, it's got a good uh, behind-the-scenes personnel attached to it. And I thought it was very charming. It's it's very much rooted. It's a very modern Ninja Turtles movie. All of the Ninja Turtles are on social media, attached to their phones, making you know videos of them doing their fucking kung fu shit. And um, the chemistry between the turtles is really good. I love the actors that they cast. But it's definitely going for like a Gen Z vibe. They talk about like having Riz and like all this, you know, all sorts of <laughs> stuff that the kids are into these days. And um, beautifully animated, uh, really good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, April O'Neil is voiced by Ayo Edabiri from Bottoms and The Bear and blowing up all sorts of places she's really good as april o'neill it's just a really awesome like modern twist on the ninja turtles and some of the action sequences are awesome uh it's a very hip-hop heavy soundtrack which i think perfectly suits the turtles um jackie chan plays scar which is awesome you know it's he does great in the role i love its portrayal of scar and um yeah, it's not going to make my top 10, but I gave it four stars. I really liked it. It's definitely worth a watch, especially if you're a turtle head. And um, uh, real quick, I'll talk about Air, the Ben Affleck, Michael Jordan mm-hmm. movie. The most um, mid movie of the year. No way, dude. Air, I actually really liked Air. <laughs> no. um, I gave on. it four stars. Again, not going to make my top 10, but it was it was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, I really like Matt Damon's performance in it. Um, it struggles with the like, you kind of know how it's going to end thing because you know that Jordan signed with Nike and, you know. Yeah, I really struggled with that aspect ever. of it. <laughs> and I thought, I thought I would too, but it actually, even though I knew what was going to happen, I really liked the journey. I really liked the characters. I thought all of the casting was spot on. I really like Viola Davis as, as Jordan's mother. Um, I think the humor is really what surprised me most. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I like Ben Affleck as a director a lot, actually. I think it's um, definitely his best movie since Argo. I think he only made one other movie since Argo. I, I didn't see it. They Live, live by, by Night, night I think. Yeah. Or- Maybe just live by night. I think it's live by night. I never saw it. Um, I know it wasn't very well reviewed, but I actually really liked Air. I thought it was very stylish. I, I Matt Damon gives one of my favorite performances of the year. Um, but the screenplay wow. it just boils down to the screenplay. I, I really liked it. I thought it was witty and funny. I was never bored. 
And while I always knew where it was going, like I thought it was very creative about how it like portrayed the battle between the different shoe companies and their perspectives on how to market shoes and just kind of where they were at that space and time as far as like what the market was that they catered to and i don't know i just like it was it was it was exactly what i would have wanted out of a movie that is basically a glorified commercial for nike you know yeah i mean i would mostly agree with what you say i think where i'm a little bit more negative on it is the aspect that you already brought up and then uh either you know i caught this movie at the wrong time or it caught me at the wrong time however you want to look at it but um i also was having the feeling of just like and i just i know i just praised blackberry not too long ago but i'm getting kind of sick of the the whole like let's fictionalize every fucking known story to man um and this one like as far as the story goes didn't really have anything like new or insightful to offer like you said i mean there's a couple good moments in regards to them like trying to market the shoe and all that but um and also i think this was uh one of my double features i like to do that from time to time at the theater and you know the the subsequent movies the the second movie is it better really fucking <laughs> work or i'm like okay this is like my third or fourth hour sitting here <laughs> Make it worth my time. I mean, yeah, it's a perfectly, it's a perfectly fine, good movie. It's just, I don't know. I feel like the the buzz also maybe got to me a little bit where I was hoping it was going to be a little bit more than it actually is. I mean, I feel like people aren't like shouting air from the rooftops. You know, they're not like climbing mountains, being like air. Is people the movie are of pretty the year. no, but people are pretty positive on it. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, okay, it's not going to be in the conversation <laughs> in our best of twenty twenty three episode, but it's a great movie. Uh, yeah, you and your dad think so. <laughs> Way, dude. <laughs> movies can just be great movies and you move on with your life and you just like appreciate it for what it is at the time you know what i mean like that's what this movie is for me yeah just like saltburn yeah just like <laughs> um okay i got one more movie i will talk about so i will pass it uh back to you okay uh let's see uh oh yeah thanksgiving i'll keep it brief because i know you want to see it still i will be seeing it hopefully this weekend i think is the plan now i don't want to hype it up for you too much matt and so my sorry, star rating but, i mean when when travis my... pops a 4.5 on a slasher movie i mean <laughs> you can't help but get excited all right okay well after i saw it i did text you in paris and i said this is exactly what I wanted out of a slasher. Yeah. And so maybe I'm giving it extra credit. Maybe I'm giving it bonus points. It's not because it's directed by Eli Roth. He's not really my boy. I just Who, historically, I actively dislike Eli right. Roth. Like, yeah. so <laughs> it, I so love, excited, but. I love cabin fever, but, uh, the rest of his movies, I could probably, uh, probably leave. <laughs> I mean, Hostel was fine for the time, but I feel like if I watched it now, I would wouldn't get much out of it. I've I missed a couple, know. but um, some of them, 
yeah, kind of uh, stinkers. Uh, he's kind of all over the place in terms of quality, but uh, yeah, loved borderline loved Thanksgiving. Uh, it has its flaws, but I think part of that is intentional and just comes with the genre and is maybe paying homage to its uh, predecessors. But uh, I love the like inciting incident that takes place at the uh, the Walmart esque shopping center and uh there's some awesome kills some good uh gore and effects and um yeah i don't know it just to me it it's like instantly iconic and it's kind of easy to be iconic because it's like set during a holiday and there's you know various like imagery that goes along with that that helps it's uh, iconicness, but I do think it is pretty difficult to be iconic these days. And I know this is based on like a trailer from the Grindhouse film, yeah. but um, yeah, I think it is pretty original. Um, I mean, it, it is obviously paying homage and definitely, you know, wearing its influences on its sleeve. But again, I still like it's as like a slasher in like release in 2023 it's like in my opinion about as good as you get unless you're wanting like a more like art house slasher but this is like right in line with the 80s and 90s slashers now is it as good as terrifier 2 that is a great movie to bring up while talking about this one I think I prefer Terrifier 2 because it goes a little harder with some of its sequences. And I love Art the Clown. He's pretty tough to beat these days yeah. if you're, <laughs> especially when you compare it to the killer in this. Uh, the killer in this, I mean, he has like an iconic look, but he's not iconic in the sense of like Freddy or Art. You know, he doesn't have, like, the personality that comes with those characters. Right. Um, but it, it is very reminiscent of, like, Scream. So. I'm excited to check it out. Like I said, probably probably this weekend after recording. We'll go see it with Haley, and I think my sister wants to see it, too. So we'll probably bring her, too. Again, it's probably closer to a four. I just gave it a little extra oomph because, uh, I don't know, it really surprised me. I was... I was expecting to like it, but I thought it would like just be, you know, solid, average. But um, yeah, I actually really liked it. Oh yeah, I think it. I think it looks pretty good too, for for slasher. I think uh, Eli Roth has been doing his homework since his last movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you the last Eli Roth movie I saw. He he's made several kind of family friendly movies too i think his last several he yeah the he did that the, one with the clocks in the wall or whatever with jack black yeah um he did the green inferno which i never saw he did um, direct the borderlands movie that's coming out but um sounds yeah, like that I might be a stinker yeah <laughs> <laughs> i could have told you that much before it uh, even announced but yeah. he i did um watch the idol on hbo or, or max or whatever you watch that uh, piece of shit well it's only like five episodes it's five episodes too many dude you could have watched 
first five episodes of Game of Thrones with that time. Well, I will say it, it's worth watching for one reason. <laughs> and that is, I'm assuming, Lily Rose Depp. Or, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he plays a, a small role in it. And it's a, he does a pretty Eli good... Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, barf. Definitely not interested now. I mean, he does kind of play himself to a degree, and he plays a pretty good douche. <laughs> well... True to life. One step above uh, Harmony Corinne in my uh, director hit list. Oh man, guy sucks. Anyway, <laughs> um, like I said, I only have one more. How much? How much you got left? Uh, I'll probably talk about one more briefly, and then we can call it. So go yeah. for it. Uh, finally. Finally caught up with the latest film from the master, the man, the myth, the legend, Paul Schrader. Uh, I saw Master oh. Gardener. And I was up until about one o'clock in the morning uh, after I saw it thinking about it. Oh, God. <laughs> and I. God. You took this trilogy, this unofficial in or loose the trilogy. Bubble, the yeah, mouth, dude. The armpit, the everywhere. You took it in the butt and it came out your mouth. Everywhere, dude. I'm oozing Paul Schrader cum <laughs> from every orifice. I um, I really, really liked it, okay? I, okay. I, I it's your like least I'm favorite gonna, of the three? Right now. Yeah, yeah. Right but you now still it really is. like it. But I, I'm gonna force feed this thing. I mean, I can't stop thinking about it. I'm just I'm finding reasons to uh like <laughs> there are things I don't like about it, and I'm just I'm scouring the internet for takes that will convince me that I should like the things that I dislike about it. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm desperate to like make this my movie of the year. Um but I, I really, I really liked it. It's um, my main issue with it is I don't want to be too specific. I don't want to be. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But like, I can't. Even, did you even talk about this movie? You saw it, right? I think I saw you. I don't. I don't it. think I talked about it. But yeah, I watched. I saw it you logged it. Not too long ago. I just okay. So my my main hang up, and the reason why I don't like a the movie is I don't really buy the love story aspect of it that's my main hang up I really like it as like the unofficial you know the unofficial trilogy that you alluded to I really like mm -hmm. that Paul Schrader was like I'm gonna rewrite the last two movies I made and I'm gonna make this character like, you should hate this guy. You should really fucking... Everything about this character just screams, <laughs> cancel me, hate me, everything about me you should not like. I'm going to make you like this guy. And God damn it, I like that guy. You know? like Tattoos and <laughs> he all. He did it. He did it. Um, I really... Uh, it's just so subversive. And, like, his... The way that Paul Schrader does his, like you know uh his loner like white male character of like the redemption arc and like it's it's retreading familiar territory but just the way that he like 
there's like an obsession aspect to it, just like the two previous movies, like the whole gardening metaphor. It's just, it's just such a it's such a rich metaphor, and he's doing so much, and it's just a movie that like I can't stop thinking about. And the movie like directly references like Lolita, like with the age gap between the two characters. So it's not like mm-hmm. he's not self aware about what he's doing, but ultimately, like my reticence about like fully endorsing the movie kind of boils down to I I don't really think that the love story is is earned or at least the work isn't put in to make me like really believe that these characters love each other. I mean, I it's mean, not like, a traditional love story. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> but like the end of the movie is just so like, I love the final shot. I think it's a very romantic. Like I definitely think of the uh, oh. first reformed card counter master gardener unofficial trilogy i definitely think it's going for the most like optimistic like romantic redemptive story arc i just i i I don't know there's just something that i can't get over about the central love story that i'm still wrestling with that's the thing i i would agree with you i think that was the aspect that was probably the weakest for me uh yeah, I think First Reform is obviously the best of the That's three. The best one. I think yeah. I think this one is pretty close to Card Counter for me. Um But yeah, I I really liked it. I, I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh to borrow something from our boys over at Suds and Cinema, the uh the kind of like garden flower dreamlike sequence Come or dumb? Oh, come. Okay, good. Come. <laughs> is that what they do ever? Is that like a reoccurring sequence? Is it come or dumb? Like a, <laughs> fucking Pat Sajak out there. Like, <laughs> is that a something a along those lines? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come for sure. Not not as come worthy as the bow is afraid. Uh, plant forest sequence but right. pretty calm worthy and I like mean, that is just it, such a surreal moment in the movie i was like when i watched that i was like paul schrader you goddamn maniac you are the goat like while i was watching that sequence i was like i don't i don't fully understand what i'm watching in the moment but i love it yeah i i really liked it i mean even though it does have like a digital fake look to it i still think it really works yeah it did it it obviously is reminiscent of the astral planking scene in First Reformed. Not yeah. as good, but <laughs> not as good. Going for a different vibe for sure, though. I yeah. mean, the astral planking is very much like a horribly depressing, like, like uh, that. That scene is is unreal. But I mean, you you can't help but draw parallels to those other movies. I mean, there, it almost feels like a cookie cutter, in a sense. Like, because you you know you have the straight white male character sitting at a desk with nothing else on it, handwriting like journal entries, and it's very reminiscent of those other two movies. But I don't know. He he, he is really good about making thematically the movies are similar, but are exploring different territory and. 
Joel Edgerton's really good. Like one of my favorite performances, I think. I really like Joel Edgerton in it. He's Joel Edgerton is like honestly quietly one of my favorite actors of the last probably decade or so. I mean, between uh loving yeah. and uh it comes at night and um He's, he's, been, special. he's been a lot of bangers. Joel Edgerton's in Midnight Special? Yeah, he's Michael Shannon's boy. He, well, oh. like right-hand man, not his boy, because his boy is played by someone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, a literal boy. Yeah, um, yeah I, that's another one that's right for a rewatch. Midnight Special. Yeah, Master Gardener um, may or may not make an appearance at the end of the year. Um, I'm desperately trying to force feed it to the to the top now did it's you give a rating for it yet i saw you did not give a rating on letterbox but you gave it a heart i did i did a four and a half okay is where i'm currently at that makes sense so right now it's fringe top 10 is it above or below past lives above you motherfucker! You just currently you, it's you're such a, a Paul Schrader stand. It's it's above Oppenheimer too. It's it's my highest four and oh a half star God. movie. Blasphemy! It's huge. So we'll see where it ends up ultimately, but it, it's it's a relatively fresh watch uh, within the last week. So okay. Um, anyway, that's it for me. All right, let's bring it. Last home. thing I, I'll talk about briefly is another. Uh, 2023 release uh a little bit lower on the uh the popularity or hype scale have you ever heard of the civil dead nope okay well it's an indie movie that came out sometime this year i think i watched it on showtime i did a free trial of some sort i love myself a seven day trial uh I yeah I really like this one. Um, I think you would too. I'm not sure how much you would like it, but I definitely think it's up your alley. Uh, essentially, it's about this this guy. Uh, his his wife goes away for the weekend or so, and uh, his a friend of his comes back into his life, but his friend is dead, and he's the only one who can like talk and see and interact with said dead friend interesting okay but yeah i think it's a pretty like interesting look at like friendship loneliness and like the idea of like not wanting to be friends with someone else and how to like navigate that <laughs> so the banshees of inasherin of a little bit a little bit yeah <laughs> uh but yeah the, the main character he's like uh kind of like a struggling artist and um just wants to like you know do his own thing for the weekend and then this friend comes into his life and kind of bugs him more or less and um then doesn't want to leave necessarily and so he has to uh deal with that but um yeah for like a low budget might be his first first feature indie movie uh yeah, interesting concept. Oh, I guess the uh, the main actor is the director. Just uh, put that together myself. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I think it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, I don't know if it would make a top 10 list, 
but um, there's a chance. Okay. Yeah, I added it to my cram jam uh, note in my phone. So there you go. Oh, yeah. All right. right. Is that it? I think that's it. Fuck yeah. All right. Well, so I don't know exactly what the next featured review will be. I know for me personally, uh, May, December, I'm going to be watching. That drops on Netflix uh, December 1st, which is uh, Friday. Friday. Huge. That will, I will definitely be watching it. Um, I don't know what your interest level is at, but I know you're a Todd Hayden fan too. So, I mean, (laughs) I'm sure we will talk about it on the next show. I don't know exactly what's on the release schedule. I know Poor Things is coming up soon. I don't know exactly when it comes out. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, everyone loves Yorgos. I mean, he's, he's the greatest. I'm that movie. I'm really like it's kind of like a La La Land scenario. If it's not my number one, I'm gonna be disappointed. <laughs> no, did you, you didn't feel that way about La La Land before you saw it, though, right? No, well, you? I I remember we had that conversation prior to seeing it. It was more of like a joke, but there was some uh, truth. It's because in it. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone were in it. Like at that point, I don't know if we but, were like I dick mean, writing. Uh, it, Damien no, at that point. not not really. But it had a lot of hype, and it had you know two of our uh, finest actors, and uh, it also just I don't know. It looked very appealing, even though it is a musical. It it just you know it had a lot of hype to it, and uh, I'm feeling that way about Poor Things. It's yes. yeah. I'm not trying to claim it or anything as my own, but. Um, very excited and um yeah i've seen the trailer and stuff and i'm thinking it's gonna really hit yeah i'm definitely excited for that one it's uh arguably my most uh anticipated so um for anyway. what's left definitely yeah well may december is you know huh. it's up, yeah, there, it's, it's up too, there but poor things is the clear favorite yeah well i mean there's the zone of interest there's anatomy of a fall i haven't seen that yet either so there's like you know i'm yeah. surprised zone of interest is in your uh you fucking love uh that guy i don't know his name uh, come on i love Laser? under the skin yeah but i love like all of only makes ghosts. one movie every fucking 10 years you should be that is true. I mean, and that movie's getting insane buzz too. So yeah, that's very high up there as well. It's just, it looks like uh, Poor Things has like everything to be, you know, the movie or my movie of the year. That's true. Yeah. And then there's also, I'm I'm ready to hate watch Maestro. I'm like all on oh, board. Oh no. I am ready to hate <laughs> oh, that fucking no. movie. <laughs> I can't wait to shit on that piece of shit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so uh we'll see we'll see what you know we'll check the schedules uh we'll figure out what comes next but that's gonna do it for this episode thank you everybody for listening we will be back shortly um i will say that there are some life changes mr travis paul yep that are going to be happening so um you know we are going to do our best but things are about to get quite busy 
uh, with the holidays and you know the whole baby situation going on. So yeah. we're gonna, we're going to be pretty busy. So we'll not not we'll sure uh, not sure the next time we'll be able to do a uh, podcast of this length unless it's a special occasion. But uh, I will do what I can. Yes, it's going to be we're going to be playing it by ear because things are very dependent on the arrival of uh, the latest addition to the Cinephiles Digest family. So uh, we'll be back when we're back. So uh, keep an eye on the feed. Hope you're subscribed. If you're not, do so now. Uh, We'll be back when we're back. And that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Later. Toodles. I can play telephone all night long You're a winner or a man But you can't be both You told me on that camping trip You took me when we were just 16 I got a little tattoo today You bought me roller coaster rides And your arms above me i never forget what you said You were so young, baby, you're so young I bought us two tickets On that Coast City bus You had I was late because I stopped the train so I could go to 7-Eleven.